Hey, welcome back to the Big Hunt Guys podcast. Uh, this is Trail. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to jump in on this podcast, but we had uh, Dave Brinker in the office, and he sat down with Neville and Brady, and those guys sit down and discuss a bunch of different topics. It's a great episode, so make sure that you uh, stay with us and listen to that full episode. Uh, before we get going, I wanted to make you aware of a special promotion that we have running right now uh, for Black Friday. And if you want to sign up for the Go Hunt Insider Research Platform and use the promo code PODCAST, we're going to give you 100 points back in the gear shop here at Go Hunt. Um, that's $100 that you can use towards the purchase of any gear that we have in the shop. Uh, dates for that are going to be uh, November 25th through the 27th. So sign up right now. Uh, it's research season. I mean, most of the hunts are already over and past, so it's time to dive in, do your research for the upcoming uh, 2023 season. It's a great time to purchase that insider platform and get yourself 100 points, 100 bucks back to the Go Hunt Gear Shop. Uh, we also have another promo that I want to make you aware of uh, in conjunction with Outdoor Class. If you use the promo code PODCAST30 when you sign up for an Outdoor Class membership, we're going to give you 30% off that membership. And the dates for that are going to be the 24th to the 28th. Uh, outdoor class, if you're not aware, it's a learning platform for people that are, you know, either, you know, you've been hunting for your lifetime or you're looking to get involved in hunting. Uh, you get to learn from some of the best in the industry, including Remy Warren about uh, mule deer. We've got courses from Corey Jacobson on elk hunting. Uh, if you want to know how to take care of your game in the field and then prep that at home, uh, we have great classes from professionals like Hank Shaw or Jamie Teagan. So that's a killer platform. Like I said, if you've been hunting your whole life or if you're just looking to get involved in hunting, that's a serious promotion. Use that promo code PODCAST30 and get yourself 30% off that outdoor class membership. So with that, got the promos out of the way. Uh, like I said, stay with us. It's a great episode with Dave Brinker, uh, Brady, and Neville. Now we're live. I was going to clap as well, but I haven't live. seen your guys' pretty faces since Colorado. I know. I miss you, buddy. Hey, that was... Two or three days. I don't know how long. How was it? Five days? Yeah, supposedly. That was freaking awesome. Can we cuss on this? Yeah. yeah that you, was fucking okay. awesome. Yeah. Uh, that was really fun. Did I you uh, Did you hear one of our recap podcasts that we did? We were, uh, I didn't listen to I rarely listen to I, I never listen to myself either. So uh, I haven't even listened to them. But I want to point out, we called you a, we said you are an absolute beast. You rolled in. I've been there before. <laughs> Thought you were getting the shittiest blind ever. Because like, you're the last person. You guys purposely gave me the shittiest blind. And then you no, you, and then you shot. Not some. true. We nobody knew what blinds were. <laughs> yeah, we had no clue. And then you you just roll in, drive all night, and get there, hunt for like two or three days, shoot an awesome antelope, and then bounce out. Yeah. We were Absolute like, beast mode. We were like, why can't we have a hunt like I, that? I uh. I made the decision when I got there because you guys, the way it was set up, it's it's pretty rare actually because I help I help a lot of other people. I, I hunt with my dad, I hunt with my brother. It's actually pretty rare that I get to hunt by myself and actually like right. go as hard as I want to yeah. go, mm -hmm. you know. But that was the perfect hunt. Antelope is is so fun because there's if you're in a good area, there's so many of them that you can kind of fail, 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 fail until you succeed. Yep. So when I that that first morning, I'm like, screw it. I got my own car. I got food, water. The guys are in blinds. I'm not going to bother them. I'm just going to keep going until, you know. I, I do want to point out, though, towards the end of the hunt, like right when you shot your buck, when yeah. I walked by your car, Brinker hangs out like he was a homeless person in his vehicle. He oh had my God. hundreds of water bottles, 
bags of jerky. <laughs> yeah, just food, all, food wrappers all everywhere. over. <laughs> the class. Sour Patch Kids. That passenger seat was loaded with goodies. It was, oh, yeah. But they're all empty. Right? I Rapper. made several midday runs to the gas station, just got random water bottles. Because I was always in a hurry because I'd screw up a stock and be like, damn it. And I'd run out of water. Like, crap, I need more candy, water. And, uh, yeah, it turned into a junk heap. Like, I look like a hoarder for oh, sure. Classic. For sure. Cla- classic. Yeah, so today we got Dave Brinker on the podcast, came down to Vegas, hang out with us. Been in the hunting industry for a long time. Country singer. He's got his own podcast. The Altitude Show podcast. Yeah. Get that you, you do it all. Well, I do the things. <laughs> See, he is a beast. He is a beast. <laughs> and, and he comes into Antelope Camp and just slays. <laughs> what can't this guy do? Yeah, but well, we can talk about because I I thought the the highlight of that trip was Trail's text message to us as right after I shot that buck oh. where he said uh, BBD bitches. Bitches, that is no. It's it's good it's good to be here. I appreciate it. You, you guys got your podcast off the ground similar time as yeah. It's been really really enjoyable. You know, just like sitting around talking. You know, we, we had this thought before about making it more structured, but. I think we think we have it kind of structured. We know what we're talking about. We have we go back and points, forth. Sometimes maybe, nice just maybe like throwing in some like segments where you know maybe we have to answer a question each of us or yeah something like that yeah to break it up add yeah. some some, some deep diving different things to it. But people, I mean, podcasts. I listen to podcasts almost all day. Yeah, because I I work alone. Um, I I really enjoyed it because it actually gives me an excuse to talk to my friends that I never actually get to have a real conversation right. with. You know, yep. spending two hours with with dudes like you or whoever, mm-hmm. just talking about really a lot of times, like you guys said, what, what should we talk about? My my often my answer is I don't really give a f- shit. Yeah, whatever. Right. Yeah. Wherever, let's just have a conversation. Just record it. Yeah. yeah, let's just hit record and and. Sometimes and I think go. those are the best like discussions. Like when I listen to other people have podcasts, I'm like, you don't know what you're going to get. But it dives into so many different rabbit holes that it just seems more natural just to have a conversation mm-hmm. with like three dudes like we're at camp right now. Right. Absolutely, yeah. yeah I sure. think it's that's what it, that's what it should be. That's what people want. Yeah. That's what I. It's like comforting to sit and like at work and like listen to people bullshit. I don't know why. If it's yeah. like human nature that we're so used to, we're also um, insulated from human interaction these days because we're all on our computers or our phones uh-huh. or whatever. It's kind of nice just to feel like you're at a campfire listening to people bullshit. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. It's comforting. It's and then every once in a while I want to listen to like a serious one where it's like yeah. heavy. But sometimes like I listen to Rogan just like a lot of people do right. too. And like you have his like uh, where he has all his comedian buddies come on and get drunk and smoke cigars. And it's just literally about nothing. They'll like yeah. – pull up random videos but then you have like his really deep dive serious like where's the human species going Mm -hmm. where it's like and i like both but it's just all about talking to cool people yeah Yeah. for sure if you guys want to check out dave's podcast it's the altitude show yeah the altitude he's got a bunch of great guests on there i've listened to it a couple times and like he's saying a bunch of his buddies a bunch of well-known people throughout the industry and even people that aren't in the industry which is cool to listen to at the same time yeah i try to I try to obviously hunting is a big part of my life and the industry and stuff, but I, I try to bring in folks that have nothing to do with that too, because it's not, we talk a lot about hunting, but it's, my podcast isn't really necessarily a hunting podcast. Right. Um, we talk about entrepreneurship and life and, you know, all kinds of things, adventure. Um, but I have musicians on, I have, I had Colin O'Brady, who's like a world famous adventurer on, who's like walked across Antarctica and stuff like that. But, Oftentimes, like my best friends are hunters, so yeah. we we that's just what we talk about. Yep. And I think you know my audience 
loves that stuff. But we're going to we're going to co-release this one. Yes. Yeah, I'm excited we're, for that. So, my audience, uh Chris and Brady and Trail who's not here cuz yeah. he's hunting and Trail's, we're all jealous. Yeah. yeah. Tra- and Trail has a beast of a season too. Well, so. not only does he have a beast of a season, Brady, let's be honest. Chris brought this up. His name yeah, is really fucking cool. It's the baddest. He has the coolest name ever. Like by far. Who wouldn't want the name Trail if you're like a hunter or an outdoorsman? I will say though. So that one uh, one year what was at 2018, we hunted with a uh, born and raised. Mm-hmm. Trail and I did. Trail's a guy who doesn't know how to stay on a trail though. <laughs> you think of a guy like, like Trail, he could like find a trail and like we stay on this elk trail and like yeah. easy walking. No, we're just gonna go through the deadfall. I'm like Trail. Five yards below, there's a great elk trail going the same way, and he's just up here, like, <laughs> going through the deadfall. I'm like, what, what the F are you doing? The first time you hear it, you're like, no, that's not your real name. No. Like when, he, when, like, I've been with a bunch where he introduced himself, and the first time I met him, he's like, hey, my name's Trail. I'm like, come on, dude, you're fucking with me. <laughs> your name's not Trail. Is that, like, your nickname people right. call you? And he, right. And it wasn't until, hell, it might have been, like, a year until I actually figured out what his full name is. Clinton Trail Forrest Kreitzer. God, it's so tough. So tough. I think we should start calling him Force. I almost want to have a fourth child, like my, yeah. you know, and and ha- and name him Trail. To have <laughs> your name partially Trail and then Forest in there as well. Oh like, yeah, that is gold. His parents knew what they were doing, man. Absolute gold. And then he turned out to actually be a legit hunter. You know, the cool thing about Trail that I, I appreciate about Trail is he is um, he's one of those people that's very like technically knowledge knowledgeable. Like he's so detail oriented. Oh, yeah. And when he, when he talks about gear, you know, we all talk about gear, yep. but I've never claimed to be like this gear expert. I just want it to work and not break. And right. then I go hunting, but trails, one of these guys that he knows all the details and intricate things about gear. I love talking to him about it. Um, he's just, he seems really intelligent. Yeah. yeah. He could literally walk over to one of these boots on the wall behind us and like tell you exactly what kind of leather it's made out of, what the Rand is, what the sole is. And just like, no, has that in his head and can keep it in his head. Yeah, how does he do I'm that? I'm the type of person who, like, I can l- learn about some gear pieces that I know really well, but, like, I'll forget something yeah. that I don't constantly talk about every single day. Absolutely. And he's so psycho, too. He'll literally go out and just buy backpacks and buy gear just to try it. Yeah. Jeez. And I'm like, Charlie, you know, we could, like, probably get you a discount on that. Like, we probably sell it in a gear <laughs> shop. Like, no, I need it right now. I want to yeah. try it out. Like, I want to have experience on it. We know so people. So when he yeah. talks to customers, yeah. then, yeah. or, like, people on Instagram, he yeah. has experience with it, which well, is really cool. I had I'd never really spent time with them until – uh, Colorado this August and he he's on my list now of people that I'm going to ask gear questions when I have gear yep. questions because like I said I'm just one of these guys I like great gear I have a ton of great gear but I don't know all the intricate details of all of it I'm more of a hunter I just want the shit to work right you know yeah as long as I can kill an elk in it I'm good and I won't die yeah you know. and if you want your bow tuned or have bow questions he's really so oh he's so knowledgeable when it comes to that stuff dude I'm the trails, worst trails my little superstar you know I've been Are you his manager? I well, the YouTube channel, right? I run the YouTube yeah. channel, so he he's my he's my golden boy. <laughs> he gets all the views. <laughs> I oh yeah, hundred percent. He gets on there, everyone loves him, and we just hit a hundred cases. I was gonna say, you guys just got a trophy. We got it. Yep. We, we got I can't wait to plaque. see one of those in my office. I remember when Go Hunt started his YouTube channel. Yeah, that was a, a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Chris and I had conversations about it. Um, that's awesome, man. You guys yeah. put out. The cool thing about Go Hunt, and I'm not just, obviously I'm here, but uh, I'm not just being nice. I really do think it's cool that it's such a well-rounded company. Like, I've actually found myself getting my news from Go Hunt, like my hunting news. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, 
obviously I'm using the maps now. I can get any of the gear I want. Like it's a very well-rounded company for, for hunters. Yep. And also like, cause I, I'm on YouTube all the time and your guys' videos are always popping up. They're always like very timely. It's like, you know, the, the gear stuff or just the hunting right. stuff, yeah. all stuff I want to watch. Yeah, for sure. So you're doing a good job, Chris. Heck yeah. I, Thank you. Appreciate I don't it. know if you get told that enough around here. You know, I know these guys. So you're hard saying that Neville should get a raise. Yep. Yes, there we go. Neville I'll should write get that, a raise. Write that yeah, down. I like that. Write that <laughs> down. Order, write that down. Order, I, need, I, need, I need Dave as my hype deck yeah. to come with me. Oh, I do. I, I do. I can do that. I've done that before. <laughs> yes. I've got people some raises. Oh, yes. <laughs> Amen to that. So Brady, you just got back from where? I was in uh, Idaho and Colorado. They were calling it my mule deer sabbatical because literally I – Was that – how long was that? I was gone for almost three weeks. Okay. I was, I was in Idaho for like a full two weeks, I think 12 or 13 days I was hunting, and then I bounced over to Colorado. Were you in the backcountry for 12 or 13 oh, yeah. days? I was deep and nasty, like in the NAR. Yeah. In the NAR-NAR? Yeah. <laughs> and our plan was – you know, we're going to have, I had cameramans for both legs. Like we're going to do this whole like day by day, long ass mule deer sabbatical for Brady. But then one of our freelancers, he ditched. So then we made Brady go out and he vlogged. I, I, I learned You're a vlogger now? I Did you get a selfie vlog. stick? We, we had the little stick on the bottom of the camera that actually had the, the <laughs> yeah? you could push it to record. Yeah. And so I was doing a whole like walking around Hell yeah. and talking. Yeah. We went like that day I went out and bought like a bunch of just like pure like vlogging camera gear. And I said, Brady, I need you to vlog for me on this one, bud. We'll edit it. Yeah. yeah. Just go it was, get all the It was super tough because literally I was going to leave in 40, I think it was like not even 48 hours. It might've been like 36 hours later. The camera guy was going to go with me and never had him before text us and was like yo i finally got the sickness of the world you got covid and i was like i'm totally if you're feeling sick that's fine i don't feel like i'm going to catch it so if you need to wait like two or three days and you're feeling better definitely come on the hunt but it must have just hit him really hard i'm like I, it affects people with different ways whatever and so yeah then we had to scramble and like try to find a camera guy with 36 hours notice for 12 day hunt Pretty much impossible. Yeah, impossible. right, right. And my thought was, uh, what's that series on Netflix? Alone. Uh, alone. I'm yes. Like, Brady, you've yes. seen Alone? I want this exact style. Yes. Go out there, set it up, talk about it. It's like good for Brady. Like he's been on enough filmed hunts. So yeah. He well, understands how it works. Let, and let's be honest. There's there's only there's a ton of uh, cameramen in the world and women, but. You don't just want that. It's got to yeah. be somebody that can actually that actually knows hunting enough yep. to where they aren't um, a hindrance to the hunt. Yeah, I and worry sometimes I'm gonna like kill these cameramen. Yeah, the for sure. Go to. And no. the place I was going to is like you know one of the nastiest places in North America. Tell us, Brady, where was this spot? Yeah, where was it exactly? Yeah, let's pull up the map. Well, yeah, maybe you don't care because you didn't see anything. Exactly. <laughs> I should give this out. Send everyone there <laughs> so that when I pick up a tag in Idaho, December first, I'll get the different area. My goal is we're going to have to get him to slip sometime on this podcast. They keep trying to all the time. Like what Every time he hunt, talks about what region? his hunting spots, we always try to get him to like give a little information on where it's I at. love Idaho. I love Idaho. Uh, Idaho has been very good to me. And I, I didn't go back. I haven't been back in a few years, actually. But I think next year I might want to go back. Such a cool state. You got De- December 1st. I know. God, everything's going. Arizona's going to that now, too. Yeah, December 1st change. is going to be have the. You, have you done the new draw in Idaho yet? No, I've been avoiding it. It's kind of a pain in the ass. That's it what is. I hear. You it's really have to dedicate like at least four or five hours to your day, unless you're that person. Yeah, who gets I was like I was in line one. for like six hours last year. Oh my god! 
Where do, what do we, what's, where's all this going? It's kind of getting scary. It really is. Yeah, I mean, this is, we're talking about, like, if you really step away from it, we're talking about a, a pretty significant change just in the last, when I was hunting Idaho, just this is, what, five, six years ago? Just, you could buy your tag on the way down there. Yep, exactly. Um, that, that is not that long. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So where are we five years from now? And, and the hard part, too, is, you know, it's all, I, I understand that you have to have resident pride and residents, they definitely live For there, sure. they pay taxes, but, yeah. like, I know Randy Newberg says it best. We're non-residents of 49 other states. Right. And, like, all these non-resident opportunities are kind of getting cut in a lot right. of places. Or there's not, a lot of them are getting cut. There's still the same tag numbers, but it's just getting a little bit harder. It's becoming very tag. challenging. I mean, yeah. I left Montana. I lived in Montana for a long time. I left there four years ago. And just the changes that have happened in Montana over the last four or five years. Oh, yeah. And, like, I, I had two years in a row now I haven't drawn Montana, which is crazy. Crazy. When I lived there... You could have, I mean, there's tags coming out your ears, mm-hmm, right? right. Um, even for non-residents, it was easy. Yep. Like, and now it's insane. And actually they're talking, I did, I don't know if this is true or not. So don't freak out folks. Okay. But I did hear they're going to make you start choosing your weapon in Montana. I heard a rumor really? about that. Stuff yeah. Too. They're, 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 they're not going to do work and like roll over into a rifle. Right. Which by the way, that's what every other state virtually does. So yeah. it's not shocking to me. But if you if you grew up in Montana, you're like, no, this is a right. Yeah. And I get it. I loved it. I loved it when I was there. But it's just that's that's the way it's probably going to end up going. Yeah, because it might even end up I could see them switching something over region by region thing, too, mm-hmm. because you have all the guys who live in the West Coast or West side of Montana that maybe hunt a little bit over there for elk, but then they draw those tags in eastern mm-hmm. part or whatever, or now they kind of switch that so you can't do that anymore for elk. But, like, they would go over there for mule deer mm-hmm. and puts all that pressure on all those people who live over there too. Mm-hmm. And so those, like, if you drive around and you don't have a certain county plate in Montana when you're a resident, like, you see a different number of people like, oh, yeah, you have that plate? Like, we hate you. And you're, like, a resident still. Right, but they, right. like, hate each other because, mm-hmm. like, you live on the west and go out east to hunt. So Yeah. Yeah. Even residents insane. eventually are going to have to – Things are going to get interesting. For, I mean, I can see it in five years. There's going to be no over-the-counter opportunities. I, well, correct me if I'm wrong. You guys are the experts here, but there's only two right now, right? Oregon and Colorado. Yep. For elk. Yeah. For elk, pretty much. Yeah. That's all you've got. And I can tell you, in Oregon, it will change mm-hmm. for sure. And um, I notice a difference because really the only over-the-counter elk tag in Oregon now is Roosevelt, and that's where I live. And I noticed a significant difference this year in the numbers of people. Right. And the problem is, is like, I don't really have a problem with it personally, but the elk populations, Roosevelt populations are pretty sensitive. The The population as a whole, like the numbers nece- may ne- not necessarily be affected, but the, I don't know, I, I would love to talk to a biologist about, um, I don't know if this is a true assessment, but my personal opinion on Roosevelt is there's, the bull to cow ratio seems like it's 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 a lot more fragile. Like, mm. so if if all these great hunters are coming in and just slaying all these giant or like the more mature right. bulls, it takes them longer to bounce back than like a big rock. Because these Roosevelt herds are usually like 10, 20, yeah, 30. So there's like rockets. three bulls, you know. Um, so between archery season and rifle season, if those three bulls get killed every two years, like you never the the age class. Yep. I've noticed a real decline in age class. Now, obviously, you can still find good ones but it's really hard right yep. whereas in, in in montana or idaho or where the elk populations are just bigger right you, you might be able to cycle through right. some of that stuff right. faster but anyways the point is is uh yeah i i agree with you i actually i i think my prediction is is within the next three years i don't know how long colorado will hold out 
maybe for a while. Yeah, but that is a big money maker for Colorado. Well, you can and already it's a see lot for those small towns. They're slowly doing that right now. Like they're taking over the counter units and they're changing them into the draw. Like they're doing a couple units here and there. Mm -hmm. So it's a matter of time. And w one thing I just wish too, like it's I, I I can't imagine what it's like to be a biologist or people who make regulations and all this stuff. But like more of these states, we need to start going to mandatory harvest report. Yeah, like we're in a digital age now everyone has to apply there's no computer. excuse there's no paper anymore yeah. yeah yes it might have a little bit of fees on top of like admin stuff to like mm -hmm. make something in the system when you apply like did you hunt this year how many days like there's certain states that do mm -hmm. that right now and there's even certain states that will penalize you we have to pay like a fee afterwards right before you can apply but like montana for example i rarely get called when i have a montana tag there's just a random call thing it's like i would love to know how many deer you guys are actually taking every single year. I'm sure you guys would as well. That way we can start managing these herds a little bit better and just understand maybe where these deer are being taken, how, what the whole population of deer is being taken every year. Can this sustain this? Like Agreed. Like, yeah, it's going to be more work for biologists and they're going to have to compile the data. But, but really like, it shouldn't be. Like in Oregon, we're all app driven now. Right. Yeah. Like, so when I, when I kill my bull this year, it's literally like just dit, 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 and then your tag's validated it records where you are and what the date is and what the time is. Yep. It wouldn't be that hard to, and I'm, I know, actually I'm down here. I traveled with somebody who works at ODF and W. Uh, <laughs> I should ask her, but I don't think it'd be that hard to add. Like when you validate your tag, what did you shoot? How many points did it have? Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. So it just goes automatically into a database. Right. This should all be automated yeah, at this then point. You're pulling that, then you can pull that data so easily. You already have it in a database yeah like that. and yeah. i would appreciate that data too just from a person who may be applying in a state mm -hmm. like i want to know you know how many hunters are surveyed in that unit how many bucks are they taking are they mature mm -hmm. bucks are they immature bucks because some guys don't really care and they just want to go wherever the highest population is. yeah for sure. highest numbers because they just want to they'll shoot a two point they'll shoot right. a three point and that's totally fine but like it would just give people more ideas to go and i think it also could spread out pressure too yeah. Once you get more data points out there, because then the, everyone's not going to certain spots all the mm -hmm. time. Like they hear it's really good because it mm -hmm. might be really good, but the unit next door could also be the same thing. But mm -hmm. we just, you know, you don't have those numbers and data points. And yeah, I don't know. I know it's hard for them, but like I just it's wish. it's 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 really complicated, right? Oh, yeah. Like I sometimes you'll be like on the mountain, you'll be like, God damn it, what the hell are they doing? You know. But it's yep. such a complicated yeah. equation, oh, and now yeah. they're dealing with CWD and yeah, you got blue tongue stuff too, and all and that. Like, like all the crap that's going on, like it's getting really complicated. Like there's herds in Montana that they're just trying to kill. Yeah. Right. That's scary. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, it's really scary. I have a friend right now who's hunting in Northwest Montana, in an area for whitetails. Um, I can't remember if they can shoot two. I can't remember, but I, it potentially can shoot two. But they're trying to kill all of them. Yeah. Because Is it CWD stuff? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's yeah. wild. Yeah. Yeah, and it's affecting the mule deer herd. And somebody messaged, so I, I did a little uh, reel on my Instagram when I was in Colorado last week. Uh, we had to check in my buddy's buck who shot for CWD. They have to test every buck that comes out of these units. Yep. And um, one guy messaged me and he goes, yeah, dude, we just, uh, we got back and three out of our four bucks had CWD. So they basically have to throw them away. Really? Mm. Yeah. Is that what the, like everything? I don't know. That's what he told me. I don't, yeah. I didn't, I didn't know that. I didn't, I, like, can you not eat the meat when they have that? I don't believe there's ever been a study that says you can actually transport from the deer to human, but I think it's, there's a cautionary thing. Like, yeah, it's like, Hey, eat it at your own risk. Cause I've gotten a lot of messages before from people. Like they watch my films, like you eat that meat right on the mountain. I'm like, yeah, that's the best thing ever. Yeah, you can have a backstrap right yeah. when you get back to camp yeah. on a fire. And it's like, do you ever concerned about CWD? And honestly, I'm like, no, I really don't. To me, it's like all this other stuff going on in the world. Like mm -hmm. 
it's probably been around for a while. Like CWD has been here forever. Like there's no confirmed cases of it transferring to human. I feel totally safe. And I think that meat, even if it did have something, it's way better than some of this other stuff people are eating. In oh the world. yeah. So yeah. it's like, I don't know. What, what does that process look like? The CWD? The, C- the you, testing? Yeah. When you went and did that. So you're, you're supposed to, um, uh, I don't know what the, the lymph nodes. Lymph nodes yeah. yeah. So basically when you shoot your deer or whatever in the back country, you don't want to, you know, a lot of guys will skin it out and like, you basically just want to chop off its head, or if you know how to extract those lymph nodes, I think they're okay with that too. But most guys don't. I don't. Mm-hmm. You know? So you bring the whole head out, and you take it in there, and they 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 take out their lymph nodes, and they put them in a little baggie, and you record exactly where you shot it, the day, and all that stuff, and they all go to a lab and get tested. The other the other way they on the buck that that my friend shot, um, they also pulled what's called the obex out of the. The bra- off the brain stem, which is right at the base of the brain stem. And it's like a little thing that looks like a like a shark tooth almost. Mm-hmm. Um, and they can test that as well. But uh, yeah, it, t- it takes like a half hour or something and there's just deer after deer after deer rolling in there and she's cutting lymph nodes out, putting them in a little baggie and send them to the lab. And then I think you get your results back at some point. Mm-hmm. I was gonna ask, it's not like instant no. results. It takes, it takes yeah. a little bit. I never even checked my results. I got it. My I had to get my buck tested last yeah, year. Yeah, so so like. And I never, I never even looked at it. You take it there. You get it tested. You take all the meat back with you. Then you get your results like five days later. I don't know it. how long it takes. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, maybe you should not eat that meat. And I and I think too, I could be totally wrong in this. So I swear I've read somewhere that if you're if you did take it to a game processor and paid a bunch of money for it, I think the state is helping you reimburse some of those fees. Or mm. certain states might be doing that. Mm. Really? Yeah. Because like you can't really do anything. It's like it's kind of harsh too because like. So you shoot a deer, yeah, you get a rack, but but still, everyone loves the meat as well. Like right, I literally of live off wild game meat. Like yeah. we had mule deer tacos last night. Like right. every night I have mule deer. Yeah, and so like that person then is has to make that decision: are they getting rid of it or are they keeping it? And then you can't go out and shoot another deer because nope. that'd be extra harvest, and right. you're not getting that tag back because the season's already over. Right. So it's like it's a tough area for someone to decide what to do because that meat could be everything to their family, Absolutely. and now they have that thought in their head: like, should I not eat this? Should I eat it? Yeah. 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 It's, it's an interesting world. It's a dire situation. It's not good. It's really not good at all. No. It's, it's, it's moving pretty quickly. Yeah. I don't think we have it in blacktails yet in Oregon, but I could be wrong about that. Do they know exactly how it spreads yet? Is that still debatable? It's debatable. I think they're saying, too, like, which was also scary to me, that more mature, older deer are more susceptible to it. So they're trying to manage and take out more mature deer, which then is also, like I said, going to knock back our herds. What, knock back. what exactly does he, What does it do to the deer? Can they, do they live a full, long life? It takes a while for them to get symptoms. It's like a neurological thing. And then, and I'm no expert on it, but it has something to do with, like, I think they just stop eating and stop drinking, and they basically mm-hmm. slowly die. Okay. Yeah, that's why it's hard to like see a deer and be like, oh yeah, that deer has CWD because, like you said, you probably can't identify it right away yeah. until a certain stage in the life. I, I want to like, say, I want to say it takes, it could take years before they get symptoms. Because I know like EHD when that happens, like it's pretty like, quick. It happens quick. They get that from the stagnant water, and it's like not too much longer, and they're dead. No. Hmm. Strange. Yeah, I don't know. So this this the nastiest hole on the face of the planet that you yep. were that you were on that had no bucks in it. Yep, that, that's Brady's favorite spot. <laughs> yep. Were you solo? I was solo. Okay, <laughs> that, that was the vlog style. Okay, okay, okay. Now I, I have some questions for you about that. Yep, we can talk about the hunting for sure. But how do you keep yourself from not getting bored by yourself and like going insane? It's it's probably easier for me because I'm one of those type of people who literally just think about this all year round 
Like this is the only thing in life that excites me. I've given up everything. I've given up fishing, given up all sorts of other sports and activities. Like, so I know this is my time to do everything I want to do that excites me in life. So every single day I wake up, it could suck the day before, but I'm like, today's a new day. And there's always one more ridge. Like there's always a new adventure to me. Like if I didn't hunt, I'd probably be some like crazy mountaineering person because I just love that challenge mm-hmm. and just the struggle every single day, put my body in something that's totally uncomfortable. Would and you that's s- what mule deer hunting I think gives me just like every day I'm motivated to just push myself further and further and further and just test myself and eat the foods I do. That's bland and the same every single day, because again, it's just nutrients in my body to make me hunt harder the next day. Would you say that you, um, this is a question I asked Lampers. Uh, would you say that you have figured out a way to be totally comfortable in the backcountry? Like, are you struggling? No, I'm really totally comfortable with the uncomfortable. Like if it's snowing nasty, it does hurt that day. But I think it just builds to a cool story. And I think it all it comes back to a lot, too, because I grew up in the Midwest. Like, my dad would always go out west and hunt and come back with stories. And now that I'm out here, I kind of want to, like, live vicariously for them mm-hmm. and, like, be able to tell me tell them all these crazy adventures I do just to motivate them to, like, want to come out and do these things. And, like, so to me, every single day is just... Do you I read? Just, yeah, no. What you, that's what I... Because, like, a lot of people have, you know, the same thought as you, right? Like, you think about hunting all the time, like, there's a lot of people like that, but when but it the comes down to it, they, don't, side, they, they, don't want, they prefer to have, you know, their buddy come with them hunting. Yeah. Like it's a more enjoyable mm-hmm. hunt. Like, what is it? Like, why do you, why do you like hunting by yourself? I think it, cause every day it's my own decision on what I want to do. It's not like, like hunting with a friend is fine and all, but like if I want to go to that ridge in glass or go over here in glass or, you know, hike four miles, I don't have to ask someone else and make them feel like there might be uncomfortable going that distance or doing that or hiking down that ridge like i had an explanation the other day like we were on the podcast talking about my colorado hunt like i literally left my truck hiked like three or three and a half miles down this one ridge i was like man there's got to be some definitely gonna be some hunters here because there was just literally campers and wall tents all along this whole road there's just tons of hunters they're all otc elk hunters i get out there there was no one there i'm like why hasn't someone been to this spot this spot's awesome i was seeing elk i was seeing deer I come all the way back and it, I didn't get back to camp until like nine something at night. It's been dark since like six thirty. Some guy drove over and asked me like, Hey man, you okay? I'm like, no, I just got back. And he's like, what do you mean you just got back? I'm like, I just got back from my hunt. It took that long to hike from my, my glassing point back to here. And he's like, really, we're just getting ready to go to bed right now. Cause these people are not willing to go and push themselves far to go find these animals. Right. And it sounds easy to say like, just go deeper, go further. Right. But it's like when they get out there, I think some people have in their mind, like, well, I'm just going to find animals here. It's so hard. I'm not going to kill a bull down in that hole because it's going to be nasty packing out. Or to me, I crave that because, like, if that's where the animal is, I want to hunt there. I don't care how hard it takes to get out. This is my time to enjoy my life. Mm. And whatever it takes me to do to get to that point, like, that's just makes me fired up inside to, like, know I'm going somewhere where other people don't want to go. And I think that's what leads to a lot normally my success. The harder I push myself, the more chances I have to succeed. Yeah, and you also know, like, uh, you're after a certain type of animal. So like, you're, you're not gonna, up, you're not yeah. just going to carry a, a fork and horn out no. of there, <laughs> right? Like, no. when I was in Colorado a couple weeks ago, my buddy had the mule deer tag, and I had an OTC elk tag. Mm-hmm. And we were seeing lots of bulls, like, five, six, seven miles mm-hmm. in. But I only saw one that I wanted to carry out of there, yeah. and it got shot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, I ended up eating my tag. And people are like, well, why don't you, you know, 
why wouldn't you just go over there and shoot one of those other bulls? It's like, yeah, I could go shoot a bull. I don't need to just shoot a, yeah, a bull. Exactly. I mean, I would have, I would have shot an average bull closer to the truck, but yeah, I'm not going to just like, I, I don't, I've carried a lot of elk out in my life. I don't need They're to big. just carry a raghorn for yeah. six, seven miles. Right. But if I could, if I saw one over there that got me excited, I would have done all the work necessary to do that. Yep. And if you're in that mindset, it's like, okay, I will do anything necessary to uh, achieve this goal, as opposed to um, um, people that are just hunting for um, meat. For example, mm-hmm. they may not need to go in. They, they definitely don't. You know, and, and it's different hunting styles. That's what's nice about hunting. It's, it's like a whole mindset some, thing, right? But you'll go as far as you need to go to achieve your goal. You don't care. Like nope. if you find that buck you want, you'll carry it 10 miles. You don't care. Yep. I'll move camp four times to get over there yeah. and then I have to carry my camp. And if I have to leapfrog things and go back in there, like I want to pack it out all at once, but like yeah. I will do what it takes. Yeah. To back, do it. back to like your style of hunting alone, deep, far. Would you say experience, like being in that situation, you obviously are going to get more comfortable. Like to me, like I can remember the first time I ever went on a hunt by myself, right? It's a little daunting. It's a little scary, but the more you do it, the more you get comfortable, yep. the more I, you like look forward to it, the more, like the easier it gets. Like how much do you think, like you've been hunting for a long ass time. Mm-hmm. Like, do you think experience is played? Experience definitely does. Like I feel more at home in the mountains and literally I do at home right now. I sleep great. I can sleep on a rock though. I'm one of those people who can just close my eyes and go to sleep. But like, I feel super You're comfortable young. back there. You're young. Yeah. You're probably one of these super duper ultra mega ultra lightweight guys too. It's yeah. like cutting your sleeping pad in half. And but stuff. I carry giant optics and giant weapon. That's why I have to cut everything else. But like, yeah. even going back to like Neville said earlier, like, do I read? Do I do anything? But like, I don't need any of that stuff when I'm back there because I'm so excited in the moment. Like I don't need to listen to music or listen to podcasts. Like sure, I might turn a podcast on when I'm like just sitting in our camp, but I don't need that. I never have a thought like, I wonder what's going on in the world. I wonder what, you know, maybe mm-hmm. I should leave early to try to do this or whatever. I'm like so focused on just being there. Mm-hmm. I'm so immersed in just, uh, it's hard to describe yeah. my like love and passion for it, but it's just, I want to be there mm. over anything else in the world. I could, like I was gone for almost three maybe three and a half weeks like i was gone for a long time and i was kind of torn apart and upset that i had to finally leave and go back to civilization like Mm. it it felt really weird because i'd been there for so long and i'd just been immersed in the mountain life like Mm. every single day just making my food hiking like even the struggles of getting water like that's a big thing too to know how to like Mm. look on a map how do you find water by looking at this map like Mm. we'll look at these steep areas try to find some water hopefully there's snow and understand if there's snow I can melt that snow for water, mm. like just to know how to get everything to survive. Mm. And then even when I had a big nasty snowstorm after I killed my mountain lion, like every, every piece of wood was wet out there. But like I have the intel to know like, well, there's going to be some big pine trees that are going to be, you know, the branches are going to be coming down. There's going to be some dry stuff under there. I can mm. use that as a little fire starter and then get some more stuff that might be a little bit wetter, put that right next to my stove, have that stuff dry out. Mm. And it becomes like you just know how to survive and know how to live with these animals. And mm-hmm. that only right. comes with experience. But For like, sure. And now I'm so comfortable, like when it snowed two feet, I wasn't worried about like, am I going to be warm enough? Am I going to have enough gear? Like. I have really great gear, which I'm very fortunate to have to keep me out there. So that also adds to it too. But like, I just feel like I have everything I need to stay out there and I could literally stay out there forever and never get discouraged or never be like, man, I wish I could have a taco right now Mm -hmm. or have a nice cup of coffee. It's like, I just love all the minimalist style of being Mm -hmm. out there and staying out there. It just fires me up and like, I think, I think that's what most people are right. They're scared. 
It, it, kind of, it does come down to that. Like, and if you don't try it, then you won't be able to get more comfortable with it. I think most people always, are scared about sleeping in the yeah, woods alone. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, scared of doing it. But the thing is, if once you get over that fear and you do it, like we're talking about getting more experience, you become more comfortable because you know how to handle situations. You've been there. You've done that. Things become more comfortable. And then at the end of that, becomes more enjoyable. And you're pushing yourself. And I mean, you can do crazy hunts like that. It's, it's life, right? Like right. if you want to – figure out how to get through a struggle you got to actually have the struggle yeah. you got to fig- figure out uh, i was telling my wife about uh i was i, I do I do, when i'm in those situations I, I think about it a lot it's like because all the bullshit and distractions we have in normal life like oh, yeah. when you're back there you're like where am i getting my next water yep i need to get firewood before it gets dark so i can have firewood for the stuff mm-hmm. tonight i need to you know How's my pad doing? How, like you're surviving. Yep. Every yeah. every night you get back, you have a checklist of chores you yep. have to accomplish before you can go to sleep. Yep. Did I have enough calories today? How's my water? If I'm going to go to that glassing knob tomorrow, there's no water up there, so yep. I better go get water tonight, or I'm going to have to go in the morning before, I, or I'm going to be like thirsty as fuck tomorrow. Yep. So like all these thoughts, but they're not, but they're like back to the basics, right? Yeah. And what ha- what ends up happening, and sometimes you get anxious, like uh, um, when. In Colorado, you might have been in the same storm, but we had a big windstorm come in with mm-hmm. with snow oh, and stuff, yeah. and uh, it made us rethink where our, where our tent was. We yep. had some like older like dead trees. We're like, we better move. Um, stuff like that. But you, it's it, but it, again, it's back to the basics of survival. How do I not die tonight? Yep. Exactly. How do we stay comfortable? If we're here, we're, we're out of the wind. We can still have a fire. There's dry wood right there. There's water just down the hill. Blah blah blah. Etc. 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 And when you get through, because you do. We have, like, look, if this was 200 years ago, those guys are tough. Oh, yeah. They're way tougher than we are. We have all this shit. Yep. All like, this gear. We have the all the best shit. Like, there's, n- yes, you will struggle, and yes, it will suck sometimes, and your fingers will get cold, and all those things. Right? I literally still can't feel the tip of this finger after this big sabbatical is on. It just feels so numb. Right. But you survive. I survive. And then when you survive those little challenges... You're like, oh, that's not so bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know how to build a fire when it's soaking wet now. Yep. I know how to find water. I know how to boil snow. I know how to fix my pad when it deflates. I know how to, yep. like, I, I can do this. And then pretty soon, if you do that enough, you're like, I can do this alone. I can do this in harsher right. conditions. I can go in yeah. further. I'm not so scared about carrying that buck six miles now. Yep. Right. Stuff like that. But I think the the failure point is just like anything. Most people won't start. Yeah. Right. You got to put yourself out there. Yes. You're not going to go forward if you don't. The you truck's know. nice. Yeah. The heater's nice. Yep. The cold beer's nice. The yep. steaks are nice. Like, and some, and some people, that's what my dad has done all this crazy shit his whole life, but now he's 70. He doesn't want to get too far from his truck, his box mm-hmm. of wine and his friends. Right. That's why he's there. Yeah. He loves seeing the animals. He loves hearing about my adventures. He wants me to be successful. He doesn't give a shit if he kills anything anymore. Mm-hmm. He just wants to be out there, like, kind of just hearing the stories. He's like the chief in camp right. that just wants oh, to hear yeah. the story around That's the a fire. Cool person to be. Yeah. And he's like, ah, whatever, you know? Yep. Um, but when you're our age, it's your time to actually, like, this is like the epitome of living, yep. like, boiling life down to the most basics, yeah. basic things. Food, water, fire, shelter, yeah. and and like it's so simple, but it's it's and it's invigorating. And then when you go through one of those storms, the other thing I noticed when you 
when you get through one of these crazy nights, maybe your tent blew, uh, like a stake broke or something where you're like, fuck, this is actually yeah. kind of legit. Yeah. Um, and you survive. You're like, that was fucking awesome. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You it's know? Like it's, it's the backside of like, you know, been on a terrible hunt and it's when you're driving home, if you're successful or not. That's like almost when you get that high, you get that rush of like, damn, you know, I did something, I accomplished something, and you have that good feeling. Yep. I always try to remember that when I'm carrying heavy load of meat really long. Because, you know, in the moment, you're like, fuck, this sucks. Yeah, this, this whole sucks. day is going to be horrible. This just sucks. Every step sucks. My back hurts. My shoulders hurt. But then when you, like, take that pack off and sling it oh. down the tailgate, you're like, fuck, that was awesome. Let's yep. go get another one. I mean, you there's, know? there's some site like it's this. I look at it similar to runner's high, right? That there's some chemical or something that happens, you know, when you exert yourself or you do something that's hard, like you have a good feeling after mm-hmm. that that carries. And you want to do it again? Yeah. Then you're yeah. like, damn, that was kind of nice. On the female side, when my wife had her third child, like she did it. W- she had three kids with no drugs. Crazy. Wh- I would have taken all the drugs. Uh, <laughs> Our son, Davey, was born, and I never will forget this. Like, five seconds later, she goes, I want to do that again, I think. And I'm like, oh, my Whoa. God. I'm, no. After all that? No, I'm yeah. going to get clipped tomorrow. This I is over. I can't, watch it again. <laughs> I can't watch it again. But it was so hard. Obviously, labor is so hard. I can't even imagine how hard it is. And then women oftentimes will go through this thing where it's like, once it's over, the relief and then this rush of, like, yeah. that was amazing, right? Yeah. I think – us as male hunters or female hunters, whoever have that same sort of thing. Like we have to, like we actually seek suckiness. Mm-hmm. I was joking on my Instagram the other day. Cause when we were walking out in that windstorm, it was so brutally cold. You're post holing. It sucks. And I'm, I, I got to think, cause I actually do have a tropical side too. I love going to Hawaii and like fishing and mm-hmm. hunting axis deer and sitting on beaches, all that stuff. Um, I was thinking, God, like, I, I wonder how I got to right here. Like, why do I like this so much? Because I could have gotten to surfing or bowling yeah. or whatever, but I actually kind of like this. I like my face being wind burnt. I like being like dehydrated and starving yep. and looking for these animals, these crazy animals in the weirdest places, you know? Mm-hmm. But why is that? Like, sometimes you do wonder, like, why the fuck do I like this? Because yep. most people would think this is like the epitome of misery. Yeah, I think it, it also like leads back to like sometimes I'm just so immersed in it where the early this year I went on a scouting trip to Idaho for like over 4th of July and I just got so immersed in the task at hand of trying to find deer, trying to find more ridges, push myself deeper and deeper and deeper because I wasn't finding deer. So I was like, I had to just keep going further. I totally forgot to send any sort of in-reach message to my, my family back in Minnesota, my dad. Mm. And like, when I got out to service, I had all these messages. He was like, where are you? I thought you'd come out, blah, blah, blah. He didn't know I had like a couple, we had a couple extra days at Go Hunt. We had days oh. off. So he was like, he emailed in to Go Hunt. He called in to Go Hunt. It's like, hey, has anyone heard from Brady? I think yeah. he's like, and he's like, next time you leave, like give me Neville's number. So right. I actually have someone to call. Because yeah. I was so immersed in the task. I totally even spaced out. Even though I had my inReach on me every single day, just totally had all, everything I needed. I was totally safe. I was just immersed in that task where yeah. I totally spaced out to communicate. Well, it does focus ones. you to the present, which mm-hmm. is the amazing thing about it too. Yeah. And I think that's why it's therapeutic. Yeah. That's what, that's what I was just going to say. Like to me, it's 100% therapy. Yeah. Like I have to do it. And like it puts, it puts stuff that are important in the forefront. Mm-hmm. Like you're, you're, you're not thinking about all this other shit that you have to do every day. No. Like it, it's putting stuff that are important mm-hmm. that you can think deeply about 
like you always come out after you know you're happier with your loved ones or you were yeah you know like yep. and then as the weeks progress you your mood yeah. like i noticed this with me like dude i get depressed when i come back from yeah home. like i have that like couple days of like depression like oh yeah. my god this mm-hmm. fucking back sucks. to this <laughs> <laughs> yeah you have like that instant high like right you get home and like you know you're really mm-hmm. excited had a great hunt you know s- super good emotions and then it's like you have that lull depression a little bit and you're like god damn it but i think it also just it makes you such a better human when you get back here too like you understand how to do all these struggles you understand how to push through and the same thing then can be pushed back into work life mm-hmm. family life like all the other activities you do just makes you such a more well-rounded person going through those struggles. Because then when you come here and you have a big work task you have to do or a big project, it's like, it's easy. Mm-hmm. Like, you know how to handle it. You know how to work through it with even like a, a friend you're hunting with. So like you're collaborating on a project over here. You know how to mm-hmm. work together with people mm-hmm. because you're just very well-rounded and experienced mm-hmm. and calm. Mm-hmm. I think that's the biggest thing like hunting's ever taught me just to be calm and present in everything you do and all the patience. Yeah. Like just, it's well, and with so you too, life. which I, I, I respect about you, uh, and others that I know is the discipline that it takes to, especially mule deer for those that don't know, cause there's a lot of people that listen to my show that may not be like hardcore mule deer, mm-hmm. maybe have never hunted mule deer. Mule deer are this species out West where there's not a lot of big ones left. Yeah. You know, the, the, we've, we've struck our, our the, the populations are, are behind the, us. And okay. as a species, I've heard like uh, scientists talking about like mule deer aren't they may not last forever like mm-hmm. they're a species that it's just they always get the shitty end of the stick yeah like if there's a bad winter mule deer get killed if the yep. cats are out of control the mule deer are getting killed but there's these guys and gals that just focus their life on mule deer because of the mystique that ch- and it's it's I think. It's mostly about the challenge of it. Yeah, like, if put you, yourself in amazing places. Well, and mule deer do live in amazing places, right? They they hide in these hidey holes, these shit holes he's just talking about. Where, and when you do finally find one, you're like, it's like this. Uh, you're, you're, it's like you're seeing an alien or a ghost. You're like, yeah. holy shit, there is one. I mean, you're bi- it's a needle in a haystack. Yeah. Yes. How they vast don't bugle. They don't. The country is yeah. that these animals live in it's literally yeah. a needle in a haystack uh-huh. especially for a mature one like you're talking yeah. about yeah and so the discipline that it takes to do that and then um like you did this year brady to eat your tags yeah. and, um you know where most people would pro- would have probably shot that 130 or 40 50 whatever you said you passed yeah. up in idaho um including me not because of your ego but because you're seeking that ultimate challenge and if you can't get that ultimate challenge yeah you're willing to go home and throw that tag in a Ziploc bag with all the rest of the unnotched tags in your, in your, I, have a, I collect all the unnotched yeah, tags. Yeah, I do too. Even the notch tags. Someday my kids are going to be like, damn dad, you sucked at hunting. <laughs> like to some, to some extent, like that's, it's conservation, right? Like yeah. he, he's letting something now next year, that buck is, if it's still alive, is going to be bigger. Yep. You know, and I think that's something maybe more of us should look at. Like, you know, it's it's nice shooting stuff a lot, but to some extent, if you if you don't just shoot everything under the moon and you're looking for like a certain age class, and you're like to that point in your hunting career, like that is conservation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yep. absolutely. I the older I get, the easier it is for me to do that. Right. Um, but I've always been, and I think it's a, a stemming from most of my life. I I hunted with a recurve bow, and when you're hunting with a recurve bow, you 
there's nobody that can truly be right. that. I mean, you can. You can be picky if you want, but you're never going to have meat in the freezer. Yeah. And if you live on wild game like I do, you got to make a choice. Yeah. Do I want to try to kill a giant with my recurve, which is probably like once every five or ten years, really, in real reality, if you're hunting elk or something, like a true big one? Or do you shoot a four-by-five every year or a spike or a three-by-four, whatever? Mm -hmm. you got a full freezer, and it's really hard to even just shoot something with the recurve. That's kind of the environment I grew up with. But over the last um, several years, especially since I switched over to a compound where I'm much more efficient out to, no, I don't shoot very far, but, you know, 40, 50 yards, which is double my effective range of my recurve. Now I have the choice. It's like, okay, I know I can kill a bull. If it comes down to it, I know I can kill a bull yeah. to get meat. Right. Or maybe I'll get an out-of-state rifle tag or something. Yeah. So now I can go, okay, I want to have the discipline like Brady or Lampers or somebody like yeah. that and, and be like, no, I am totally fine eating this tag unless I can harvest the bull that I want. And, that is t and I will be fulfilled but that's the challenge I want, and that's it's it's a mind it's all mindset. Like mm -hmm. if if and if you set yourself on that and you stay disciplined like you do, and you're will you're truly willing to eat that tag, not just it's kind it, of. It's still really hard. Yeah, you got to go through that last day and still pass up a five point. Yeah, but and again, that la all you need is one opportunity. Half a all second. You need is that one Takes sighting that. of that yeah. deer and game on. Yeah. That one little yeah. ear twitch, or like see that little antler, I can see a little shadow of deer moving the timber. That's all I need, and that's what motivates me to. Again, I always say too, like I would rather kill a deer in the last day than the first day. It was like, oh, why pass on the first day to kill in the last? Yeah. Well, every single day I'm hunting, that's one more day of experience. That's one more day of knowledge I have hunting that animal, hunting that terrain, testing mm -hmm. myself. So if I have a, a five-day hunt plan and I kill on day five, that's five days of experience. Mm -hmm. But I go into next year a little bit more prepared, a little bit more dialed with my toolkit on how I'm going to hunt these animals. Yeah, killing on the first day can be a little bit of a high because you've been waiting all year and it's like super exciting yeah. but then it's like a immediate drop off yeah. it's like well shit now what do i yep. do i gotta wait till next year yeah, now did, the, the opposite side of that is that you could put all that effort into scouting and you die you had yeah, totally true. your stuff dialed and then you're prepared to kill on the yeah. first day and then that's kind yeah. of rewarding too For because sure. you did all the homework ahead mm -hmm. of time like mm -hmm. it started basically scouting and mm -hmm. then t opening season was just yeah. the good yeah. part and like you're seeing like if you if you think about it your end half of the trip is more likely going to be the better hunting because you've had those three or four days to learn the country, figure out where the animals are. Yep. Like you're going to put yourself in a better position towards the end of it. And I think if you have that mindset, knowing like it takes time, like you're in a new area, like mm -hmm. it should be your end of the half of the hunt yep. should be better. Hopefully. Mm -hmm. and, and it's like me too. Cause like I pick up tags that are, you know, what most people consider like low opportunity tags mm -hmm. or, you know, they're over the counter or they're easy to draw for a reason because the deer numbers aren't there. Mm -hmm. So it adds that extra challenge too. And so you do have to realize every single day, it's like, this isn't a trophy unit. There's not a high population. Of no, there's deer. literally like, there could be less than five deer in the entire unit yep. that are in your caliber that you want. But also I always think in the back of my mind too, like there could be deer in this unit because it's so challenging that just die of old age. Yeah. They literally are up here and they never see a person. Mm -hmm. And that's why I want to hunt. I know I can kill deer close to a road. I mm -hmm. know I can go stay in a hotel and go out and, you know, run down the road and see a buck and shoot mm -hmm. it. But like, to me, hunting is about that adventure mm -hmm. and that just the craziness that yeah. I get from just being back there and just living with them. For sure. And I think one of the problems is uh, like social media and egos, right? It's not cool to not shoot something. Yeah, it's 100% It's cool true. to, f you know, have a picture on Instagram or something that, hey, you shot some. Even now, like we're becoming more popular, like doesn't matter what the size is. It's like people are just out there 
shooting or whatever because it's cool. You know, it feels it's good. It's the hunting industry's bikini I'm picture. Good, yeah. I'm a good hunter because yeah. I shot something. Yes. You know? Yes. Yeah. Whereas, like, I think we should go the opposite way and make it cool of, you know, if you're holding out for a mature animal that you ate your tag. Yeah. That's harder. It's just hard. It's hard. He, uh, I think the human nature is we want to bring something back to our tribe. Yep. Yeah. You know, we've what that's what stories? we've done for thousands of years. Like, when we go hunting, we want to bring it back and show our, you know, it's a it is an ego thing and it and it and that's okay but i agree with you um if that's what you want right right like i i can already think of hunts where i i don't care if we shoot like when i take my son out for example like this year my my son he shot a spike by fork blacktail and i was actually more excited i damn near cried mm -hmm. shooting watching him shoot that than i was shooting my bull this year uh, and that, and like for the next several years, yes, we will try to find him a big animal for sure. Right. But I also don't want him to get too hung up on that yet. I want him to make right. good executed shots, take good care of the meat. Yep. Like we need to do some fundamental things first mm -hmm. and then we can kind of get him in this mindset yeah. of, okay, are you ready? Cause he's already talking about, I think next year I'd like to only shoot a four point with eye guards. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> fair enough. Yeah. Right. We'll try, bud. But if you get a good shot at a, another fork and horn, I, I want you to execute another good shot. Right. I want you to, yep. I still haven't made you carry a load out yet. So maybe next year it's, you're going to pack your own. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like let's do the basics first. So there are, it just depends what you right. want. There's definitely a hundred percent like in the, in the lifespan of your hunting career, like everyone's in yeah. different spots. Right? Yeah. And you have to start somewhere. Like you said, you have to learn those basics how to control your breathing when you're in front of an animal. Like you could say he wants to go after a mature deer, yeah. but then once he's behind that mature deer, his mind just might freak out because mm -hmm. he's so excited because it's a big deer. Where if he had some, you know, easier hunts beforehand, just some smaller deer or whatever, he's eventually going to get comfortable mm -hmm. and comfortable where the point, it makes it so much easier. Yeah, for right? sure. So you have to start. And even like when people get intimidated, like it, you kill a bull elk, and you haven't touched a bull elk before, that's a lot of work when that animal's on the ground. Like mm -hmm. how do you cut that thing up? Yeah. Like got to start somewhere and work your way up. To the other thing is, is just being realistic also. Like most people that are coming out to Colorado, for example, like I, I was just with these people. I saw them. They're from all over, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, whatever. They have five days off from work or whatever they have. They're with their family. This is their one hunting trip of the year. They're not great hunters because they haven't done it much. Yep. They're going to, they, and they're there for the meat. Like we camp next to uh, these really nice uh, folks we didn't camp next to them, but they were at the trailhead. They were camped there. And they had a doe hanging and a fork and horn hanging and all this stuff. But they were they were literally grocery shopping. Yep. And that's totally fine. Yeah. That's totally fine. Whatever's legal, yeah, go ahead. Sure. Um, but if you want to push yourself to that next level of what we're talking about, like with Brady, you also have to be realistic because any anybody who actually does that will tell you that the, there's a few things you need, right? First of all, the animals have to exist. So they, you got to have age, you have to have genetics. But the biggest thing, that, and then you have to have the skill set mm -hmm. and the gear, time. Yep. Right? So if you have five days off and you're flying out from Michigan, yeah. which really means you have three days to hunt because you got to catch your flights, let's not set unrealistic expectations. Exactly. You're probably not going to shoot a 190 over the counter in Colorado, yep. right? Yep. So come out, enjoy it yourself. If you get a shot at a three or a four point and you want to take those animals, be stoked. I'm stoked, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. But if you actually want to try this mindset shift, you have to have four or five things in line. Otherwise, it's just not realistic. Yes, you might get lucky. But 
it's just not realistic. And it, it actually might be kind of a drag on your ego and might make you feel bad that you can't. Why can't I do uh, what, like I scroll, th- dude, I almost don't want to scroll through Instagram in September and October and November. Oh, yeah. It does hurt. Because you're like, through. dude, I haven't killed a bull yet. Why do these five guys kill? Well, those five guys out of the 200,000 guys that are doing it right now, you know, yep. like it can really hurt your ego. So just make sure you keep that in check. Yep. This takes 100%. time. Brady was just literally by himself for three weeks and did not shoot yeah. one. And he has all the best optics, all the best gear. He's in good areas. It's not like it's just, oh, I want to shoot a big thing now. Therefore, I will yeah. shoot this big thing. Yep. You know? no, and like dealing, like we deal with a lot of people who are new hunters or just getting out west. Yeah. Like the number one thing you tell them not to be in is realistic expectations of this hunt. Okay. If you're going into an area that doesn't hold big animals and you're not that great of a hunter, like you probably, you know, set a realistic expectation yeah. of what you're going to go on this hunt, yeah. stick to that goal and then go for it. Yeah. And yeah. enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's, what's kind of nice too, about knowing maybe a little bit of Intel. That's why I really like what we do here is trying to help people set their expectations a little bit with like, you know, with our unit profiles and stuff, you can mm-hmm. kind of like learn what might be expected there. Like if you're going to go to a spot in central Montana and think you're going to shoot a two inch deer and like, that's the only thing you're going to hold out for. Cause you hear people shooting two inch right. deer, but the top in that unit's 140 and right. you're passing 140s every single day. Yeah. Like that's a trophy in that unit. Right. And like you have to realize that mm-hmm. too. You can't just have, oh, I'm going to shoot a 400 inch mm-hmm. bull every time I go mm-hmm. out or all these people are doing it. And that's why looking through social media is very hard a lot of times. Well, it's because, very deceiving. Because you're seeing all these people being successful, but they might be successful because they've been hunting for a long right. time or they have a really good area and they've just learned it really yep. well or mm-hmm. they drew a good tag that mm-hmm. year. And you're seeing all these people who actually drew good tags. You're not ever seeing those people who don't because some people are not willing to say they failed in a sense. Right. But I think that's a good learning point when you can explain like, well, I didn't capitalize on what I was doing, but I still had a great time, still learned something. And I'm stoked more now for next year. Like yeah. I was, I'm already so excited for 2023 yeah because of all the stuff i've learned and i'm like well i did a lot of stuff last year preparing for this i'm now going in deeper with more of my research i'm reading all Mm -hmm. these like more biology books like just Mm -hmm. i'm immersed in it Mm -hmm. even more because of the experiences that i had and Mm -hmm. it doesn't deter me from oh yeah you know like i said yesterday in my instagram post it stings but like i'm more motivated than ever i know it's what i have to do to do what i want to do because i want to hunt old mature deer because hunting old mature deer is that extra challenge. The mountains are already a challenge to begin with. So you're surviving up there is just a goal in itself. Mm. And you add on top of it hunting an old animal, that just, like I said before, it just makes my whole life more yeah, complete. Yeah, absolutely. Having that extra challenge on top of it. Yeah, and then people like, people like super experienced hunters like Brady and the Lampers of the world, like they're essentially setting th- that example, right? They're going out, they had a goal, mm-hmm. you know, they're looking for a mature animal. Mm-hmm. And for people like people like like there's pressure right like there's yeah, a little absolutely. bit of pressure there's like pressure. people know you as the mule deer killer like yeah. i have to kill a big mule deer yeah and then coming out and just saying hey didn't find the mule deer i'm looking at and i'm okay with that mm-hmm. like that's fine i think setting that example is good for people who are experienced hunters that like you don't need to be shown off all the time like, no it's more yeah. about the hunt like have less of an ego like it's okay to set a goal and go out there and didn't accomplish what you're looking for couldn't find the mm-hmm. mature deer that you're looking for but well the odds are stacked against you yeah. so it's just real you're being real yeah right yeah. you're actually going to try to do this that you're not going to succeed all the yeah. time no. i mean if you do it's i'm skeptical of it yeah. if you're 100 percent successful in doing what you're trying to do it's that's when you get like are you following all the rules you know? yeah right um but it's it's just a mindset 
thing and it, it's very invigor invigorating if if you actually any goal in your mind right like mm -hmm. it could be i want to shoot a 140 with yep. my longbow exactly it doesn't matter it's all about whatever you like right but i do think there is something worthwhile and just taking whatever you did this year and trying to make it a little better next year yep. so like going you know what i don't need to kill a four i'm not going to kill a 400 inch bull most of us will never kill a 400 inch bull. Yeah. but maybe i shot a 260 this year and maybe i'm going to just set a goal like i'd like to try to find like i really want to push myself i'm going to pass up the first five point that walks by this year and i'm going to try to shoot a 280 and above because where i live that's a that's a big bull whatever mm -hmm. randy ulmer said something one time that i thought was pretty good uh, which was, he's like, I'm not trying to kill the 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 biggest animal in the world every t time I go out. And if we all know, he kills giants Giant of everything. Deer. He tries to kill the most mature animal in that area. Yep. So, like, it may be, like he even said, like, I, this is a while ago, but, he, like, there's an area of Colorado where he hunts elk where you you're, if you kill a 300-inch bull, that's a big bull. That's a really big yeah. bull, right? And then he goes to Nevada where you, you shouldn't shoot a 370, right? Yeah. <laughs> So um, it just depends on where you're at, what your limitations are, how much time you have, what your skill sets are, if the animals even exist where you are, right? Where I live um, in Western Oregon, so I was gonna tell you, if you're going blacktail hunting next year, do not hunt my area of Western Oregon. The age class just is not there anymore. Like it's, it's, it's awful blacktail hunting. The yep. numbers are down. Trying to find a mature buck is almost impossible. But if you go further south in the state, your chances go up. So then if you're, if you, let's just say hypothetically, because I, I have never killed the blacktail of my dreams. But if I was going to set that goal and go out to try to achieve it, th the first thing I would do is go, where do those things exist? Mm -hmm. Well, then you go, oh, they're mostly in Southern Oregon. Ah, yep. then you start looking at Matt. Okay, so I could achieve my goal in Southern Oregon. Okay, so now I need time. And then what resources do I need? Do, do I, is it a rifle hunt? Is it an archery? And you start doing these things. And over the course of time, if you just stick to it, you're going to achieve it. Yeah. yeah. Right. But you got, it's like, a, it's like a really, it's an intelligent approach to, as opposed to just, I don't know, I go to the same unit in Colorado every year and I'm, I'm just hoping for that 200. It's yeah, like, exactly. well, maybe that, that deer does not exist where there. you are. <laughs> yeah. Right. It yep. may not literally live there. Um, or you may not have, you can't do it in five days, dude. Like you got to go, like you need. Lampers says he, he, I mean, ideally, any hunt shouldn't be under 14 days. Yeah. yeah. And when you're hunting those mature deer, yeah. like you yeah. do need the time. Yeah. Because yeah. that deer may only show up in daylight once in those 14 days. Yep. And your binos better be on that one little sliver of an opening exactly. from that one spot you can see it from at that exact point in November when that buck decides to come. Like, think of the odds of that. It's Slim. it's crazy when you start thinking of it that way because it, it literally has to happen like that i know and when, you, when you're looking at that country like you're sitting like your glassing points um you know you find these glassing points we were talking about this in colorado sometimes i bet you if you did the math you can probably only see like five to ten percent maybe of a basin right mm -hmm. and let's just see you see you see 20 deer in the morning well how many deer are really there yeah right i've always wanted to know that i just really sometimes i sit back there and like it'd be so cool but like cool in a way where i couldn't hunt it then but like if i could just know yeah just yeah. know yeah there's a hundred like, deer in this there? basin and god you, damn and like you can't see, see any of them, yeah. can't see any of them. You <laughs> or you'll like be this happened last week we were like there's like one opening in one of the, in, in a part of the basin that we could see literally one like and it was like maybe like 50 yards wide and one morning a three-point walk through it and then two bull moves and then some does and i'm like i can only see 
50 yards of those two little drainages right now, and we've seen 10 animals walk through those two openings. Yeah. Is it just that opening that's good? Or does that whole basin alive with deer, you know? But my point is, is like, if you start thinking of the odds of actually catching that buck you're looking for in that mm-hmm. opening, dude, it's insanely low. It yeah. is so low. And I'm, I'm honestly a big believer in, like, the harder you work, luck will find you. Yeah, like, there's a been a, a ton of hunts. Like, one when I was with Brady, he shot that 200-inch deer in Colorado. We were just working our asses off, hunting for seven days straight, and we've been looking at this same spot a thousand times. We check it every day, walk by, and then finally, all of a sudden, there's just a deer there, giant 200-inch buck. Like, we've looked at this spot And he was probably times. over there the whole right. time. He's he probably was probably in that thick timber. Yep. Like, right, and, like, people say, like, oh, you guys got lucky. Like, you were yeah. there at the right sure time. Sure, you did. The, and you're like, yeah, but. And it is nice. It's Thank like you. you have to pay <laughs> pay forward that hard work, and then. Yeah. Luck will always find you. Yeah. It'll find you if you put it, in the effort. It for sure won't if you don't set the goal and be out there to achieve it. Yeah. It, yeah. it won't find you. Yeah. You know? I want to hear some stories on your hunting season. Yeah. You, I have a few. That bull you shot. Yeah. Was that, was that over-the-counter Roosevelt? Hmm? Yeah, that thing. At first, I couldn't tell. I asked Neville. I was like, is that a Roosevelt? That's what I was wondering, too. Yeah. That thing was is that a that the stomper. biggest Rosie you shot? It's the biggest one I may ever see. I was going to say. Yeah, I've lived, I, I mean, seriously. So just perspective is Roosevelt, so a, a Boone and Crockett Roosevelt's what, 270 or 265 or 200? I can't remember. I, I really don't care. I never mm-hmm. score anything. But um, you start getting a, a big Roosevelt in my area. Usually the mature bulls, they're like big, heavy five points. They're like little crab claw sixes, and they're beautiful, white tips, dark, you know. But every once in a while, a 300-plus will pop up. Uh, every year, maybe there's like one or two killed or mm-hmm. something like that. And those are like shooting a 400-inch Yeah, for sure. Bull. Actually, maybe even a little bigger than that if you yeah. do it by the ratios. Yeah. Um, so, but I've lived there. I grew up there, and then I left for a while. Now I'm back. And I've killed a ton of raghorns and stuff like that. We already talked about that. Mostly because that's pretty much what you shoot that's the yeah. culture yeah that's roosevelt that's what they're there roosevelt, a five oh, point yeah. walks by you're gonna get like one or two opportunities a year you better shoot them or you're not gonna kill a bull mm-hmm. so i always just shot them last year i decided that exactly what we've been talking about i go you know what i have i'm now at the point in my life where i'm a good enough hunter i have the skill set to do this i have the time i don't i have out-of-state tags i can get my meat elsewhere i really want to kill my dream rose that dream roosevelt is one of the most um, I don't know. It's like, it's like, I don't know if there's an animal out there that I would rather have than that dream dark horned Roosevelt. I don't know if it's just cause I grew up there or what, but a lot of people have the same dream, mm-hmm. but they're really hard to find and killing them is just like killing any other elk, but finding them is the challenge. Right. Um, so anyways, I, I set this goal and then I started asking my question. Okay. Well, if I look at the last 20 years of hunting these things, these areas I have been hunting them, I can think of two bulls that are in the arena of what I want that I've seen these in, this, in 20 years. But there's these other units where there's harder access and less elk, but every year these bigger bulls pop up, 300, 310, even like 350. Mm. Like there was sheds of one bull, I have pictures of it on my camera. It was 368. Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> and it just died of old age. But uh, 
because it was in an area that I just couldn't hack it. I couldn't figure out how to hunt. It was too, too uh, blocky private. Like even if you got permission on one, he was always on this one. So long story short, I go, okay, so these other units, they have the age and the genetics, right? So now I have like a few of the, the different factors. So I'm like, I'm setting this goal. I'm declaring it. I declared it on a couple podcasts to make sure I held myself right. accountable because I knew that God was going to march a five point or two by me and test me. <laughs> sure, you know, I love track. shooting elk with my bow <laughs> and I love eating them. I love it. Um, so I declared it. And then it was really weird. You guys like some, just a little bit of a backstory. My dad started bow hunting in uh, my grandpa moved to Oregon in like the fifties and started bow hunting for mule deer on a place called Heart Mountain National Antelope Refuge. And he used to walk around there with his longbow and a quiver full of arrows, just jump shooting at mule deer. That's what they used to do. Gosh. I mean, and my dad remembers his childhood, just giant mule deer standing up out of sagebrush and arrows flying. (laughs) So he was introduced to archery hunting very early in life. But then he rifle hunted for a long time, shot tons of mule deer, tons of elk. In 1978, when bow hunting started becoming more of a thing. Right. And Larry Jones was tinkering with elk bugles and all these things. I know. My dad decided to start bow hunting elk. Um, And he started doing it in the county that I grew up in. Um, And in, in this one specific area. And anyways, fast forward to last year, I told my dad, I'm, I am going to kill a giant Roosevelt next year or I'm eating my tag. He goes, let's do this. And I told him kind of my, my I'm going to shift areas. I'm going to shift the way I'm doing things. I, you know, because where we've been hunting is just Raghornville. I'm not, go- I'll go there with you, but I'm probably not going to shoot any of those bulls. Um, and, and anyways, over the next few months, he started having dreams. My dad did. He had two or three of them and he would call me. He goes, I saw your bull last night and I, and I saw where you're going to shoot it. You're manifesting it. And he, he told me what my bull looked like and where I was going to shoot it, which ended up being within a hundreds of yards. Right. So crazy. Um, anyways, so I fast you, forward. I need, I need your dad to send me a couple of dreams. <laughs> I, I had a couple of dreams too, but I don't know if it was because he was telling me about it. I'm like, oh yeah, this is getting cool. Yeah. Like I, I, I could imagine it, right. right? I could, I could really imagine it. So anyways, long story short, um, when the season came around, I devoted my season to these areas that had very few elk, but they had the opportunity, at least a chance. Nope. I think if I could find like literally no elk, like literally if I saw an elk track, my heart would pump because I knew if I could find even just three or four cows, there was going to be a big bull cause nobody's hunting them. Mm-hmm. And so the day before the season, I finally found a little clatter of cows, probably like I thought at the time it was like six or 10. I'm like, Oh. Because I know there's going to be a big one here. Didn't know, but I guess. Anyways, um, opening week, I finally saw these cows. And there was, you know, 10 or 15 of them. Didn't see a bull, but I knew it would show up. Fast forward, I just kept hanging out. And one day I was, I went in there in the afternoon. And I'd I'd never hunted anywhere here. And uh, I heard bunch of raking I'm like, well, could be a squirrel i stood there and pretty soon i could tell you can tell when a big bull's raking as opposed to like a raghorn yeah. like it sounds like a dinosaur yeah. mowing down a tree and it was like 60 yards in front of me and uh but it was in this really shitty brush or whatever so i couldn't see it 
anyways, starts. Be- this is like September. And this, this is like your typical Oregon Roosevelt, like thick as shit jungle. Yeah, this is like of even though country. he was sixty yards from me, right? I still wouldn't see him for a week. Yeah, yeah. That's this is that wow. country, just jungle. Yeah. Um. Anyways, this is like September first, and he's and then he starts bugling. It's like four thirty. Bugles, bugles, bugles. So that evening, I just, I did not have good wind. That's the other thing I was, sometimes elk hunting, I'm very aggressive. In these other areas I'm hunting where there's a lot of elk, I can be aggressive because I can always find more. Yeah. Like there's another five point with 10 cows over the next drainage. But I knew in this area that I could not do that. So I was going to be a lot more intelligent. I was going to sit back until it was right. So this first time I encountered this elk, it was not right. The wind was not perfect. And I, so I just set my bow down and I laid there in the brush 60 yards. Didn't I left the bugle and all the calls in the back. Normally, you know, 10 years ago, I'd have been, you know. Um, But I'm like, I'm just going to sit here. He's either going to work this way or I'm going to let him go because it's not right. I couldn't get through the brush. It was so thick. And so that evening, I just listened and learned. So, and one of the things I learned is they were doing this one certain thing. I found out where their feeding area was. And I'm like, okay, learn, learn, learn. I snuck out of there with the wind right and I didn't bother him. And I did that a couple times. And what I learned about this bull was he, when he's not bothered, he's extremely vocal. Roosevelt's are um, much quieter than Rockies. Like they're not, they don't bugle as unprovoked as Rockies do. And I don't know if it is necessarily their biology or whatever, or if it's just because they don't have much competition. Yeah. You know, a Roosevelt herd in Montana where there's 100 elk and there's 20 bulls, they're constantly checking each other, right? right? But if you have a Roosevelt bull who literally spent the whole summer with the only other two bulls yeah. in the area yeah you know he's it. like dude joe's over there yeah. and yep. bobby's over there and i'm not scared of them yeah. so they don't talk or it, it very much ri- more you like this whole rut fest idea that you get in the rockies i don't care what anybody says rut fests very rarely happen roosevelt hunting you can get them to bugle yes and you can call them in yes but these bigger bulls they just don't but this bull would bugle like Every 10 minutes, unprovoked, growling. So I learned that about him. Anyways, fast forward. I finally kind of sat back for like a week and kind of figured this thing out. And then I decided, you know what? I'm just going to hang out in this pattern they're doing for the rest of the season. And I have time. I got, there was only a couple other people up there that had any idea, I think. And um, I I just hung out there for, I think I hunted him four or five times and the fifth time he decided he finally decided to he almost never left the brush in the daylight as far as i could tell right his cows did but he would anyways i finally one day i i uh was able to cut him off when he finally came out in the open and ended up being like at 30 yards and stop broadside and that was really the first time i actually ever clearly saw him i knew he was a 300 bull um, I'd seen him one other time right at daylight, but yeah, when I walked up to him, I'm like, holy shit, that thing's legit. Yeah. He's, uh, he's world-class. I mean, he's yeah. top 50 ever shot with a bow yeah. ever. Yeah. Um, Wolf. And how, so how many days do you think you were after him? I only hunted him five times. Five times. Yeah. But I did it really intelligently. Yeah. I bugled Patiently. once. I bugled once and it was a mistake. He pushed his cows away from he me. He said, Ugh, I got like that? 40 yards from him in the brush and he was screaming. And I tried to, I'm like, okay, I can probably do this. Nope. I cow called at him once. Same thing. Pushed his cows away. So 
the calling tactics wouldn't work with this well, guy. Well, that's what they always say for your bigger yeah. your bigger elk, it's the sneakier tactics. Well, and people like – one of the things I've learned because of how blessed I am to know a lot of really great hunters, and I've kind of just been stuffing stuff in my quiver for the last 15 years, is it's it's MMA. You have to have a mixed bag of skills. You can't just be – well, I shouldn't say you can't. You certainly can just be a caller or whatever. Yeah. But if you really want to be great – you have to be a caller when you need to be, a, a, a still hunter when you need to be, a stand hunter when you need to be, whatever it takes to get the job done. And w this bull specifically, I found out very quick, I don't need to call. He calls every five minutes. Mm -hmm. So if he's letting me know where he is, I have no desire to let him know where I am. I can, at some point in the next 20 days, I can place myself in the right spot. Right. He's so he sounded like a dinosaur half the time. He hooked his whole, I've never seen a bull rub and bugle so much on the coast. Yeah. Just so aggressive, over aggressive. Like he was, if he was a human, he'd probably gone to prison. He was just so aggressive. Um, and most people's thought would be like, "Oh, aggressive bull. This should be easy to call. Like I'll give him a call. He'll want to come fight." Mm -hmm. But yeah, and like from what you learn there, that's yeah. So just I'm like being, being quiet and just this is waiting. again something I learned from guys like Trail and Brady and Lampers and like. You first, before you use the blunt force of your skill sets or your equipment, you first got to use your, you know, the, the scene in Braveheart where he's yeah. like, he's got the sword and the, the kid's going, ooh, and he's like, first you learn to use your brain and then I'll teach you how to use this. Hunting's no different. Like you have to get out of the excitement and the emotion and go, okay, this bull's bugling every five minutes. I've been up here four or five times and he does the same thing every time. I don't need to barge down there and start calling at him. What I need to do is just use all those things against him. It could have been a case where th the opposite, maybe the best strategy would have been to call him, but this, in this case it wasn't. Mm -hmm. And then you need to just switch your, switch right. your strategy. And that's, that takes experience and, and thought process and confidence that you can actually right. employ a strategy like that. Like I'm actually really good at, I'm probably better at um, still hunting than I am calling. And I'm, I'm pretty good at calling yeah. too, but like if there's a bull bugling, and like distracted, I can kill that bull. Yeah, like you can you can do it if you get the wind right. It's it's mm. not rocket science. It just takes some spirit. Yeah. So, anyways, that's what ended up happening with him. And yeah, he's he's my dream man. One thing I really liked about your whole story is like what I think everyone could take note of is you set a goal. You started creating like a checklist of how you wanted to accomplish this goal. You did a bunch of research, did all your homework, <laughs> and then you even visualized success like with your dad. Mm -hmm. Like you're visualizing you being in that moment at the right spot at the right time. It also seems like, too, like, I mean, Neville probably would know this more than me because I don't whitetail hunt that much, but it almost sounds like you're hunting them kind of like whitetail hunters do. Mm -hmm. You got the intel, the data. You're only going in there when you know it's exactly perfect. You mm -hmm. figure out what he liked, what he didn't like, and like I said, you only hunt them really for five days because you were just very cautious mm -hmm. of how you're going to go in there and not blow them out. Yeah, and to that point, the night before I killed him, so the, the morning before I killed him, the mo morning prior, I had seen him go into this area that I know I could go in. But the wind, like we, a, a little cloud event came in and we got some swirly winds and stuff. And I remember that I, I came home, I left. I'm like, don't be tempted to go down there. Don't go down there. I came and that whole day I was itching. I remember I'd call my dad, should I go back? Because I know where he's coming out this evening. Should I go yeah. back up there? He's like, dude, don't go up there. It's supposed to clear up in the morning. Just so, wait. Just wait. And I... I made it through that day without going back up there, and I went the next morning. And that's when I killed him. If I'd have gone back up there, I don't think I would have killed him. That at least those two yeah. days, because I would have probably screwed it up. Yeah. 
so yes, it was a little bit like that. And, I, and again, I have learned stuff from my whitetail hunting friends. What you'll find with whitetail guys and mule deer guys is their patience is exceptional. Exceptional. Elk hunters are not patient. <laughs> they walk to a basin, nothing, yeah. and they just keep doing that until it works, right? Yep. Well, it's getting harder and harder to do that. There's a lot of guys that can do that. <laughs> so, like, you have to have a mixed bag of, like, I'm not against, I hate it. Uh, if I need to sit on a fucking wallow, I'll sit on a oh, wallow. Oh, I love sitting on wallows. Really? Wallow oh, it's my I, I am the worst sitter. Like, I, I last five minutes. But I can make myself do it. I've done it once before. Actually, the, the biggest bull that I would have ever killed in my life, I almost killed on a wallow. Um, I didn't get him, but... Anyways, so yeah, that's how it went down, man. I'm, it was his dream come true. And now, but you know what's funny? If when I was holding that bowl, I and actually I even think I said it here today, I, I would have told you that I'd probably never get to do this again because they just don't exist. Right. But then with all the stuff I learned, a week later, I found another one that was 300. And me and my buddy got 15 yards from it. And his bow, uh, he had a bow malfunction. and. <sighs> But I know where that bull is. I learned his habits. I and so if I have a Roosevelt tag next year, I'm gonna right kill back. that bull. Yeah. yeah, right back. I know. You already got a plan. Like I already have a plan. So I, I actually, even though initially I thought maybe this was like a, an event. I'm just gonna get back to shooting five and little five and six points again. I actually don't think I need to do that. I will do that if I need the meat or whatever. But I actually think this was this. Uh, it was a, it was a great confidence booster, and I learned a lot about the goal setting. It, like I said, it's all about the mindset. Yep. If you have the area and the skills and the things, all those four, five, six different dimensions, you can repeat this. Mm -hmm. But you yeah. have to be willing to eat your tag. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's all about hard work up front, and then now you're gonna have easier. Mm -hmm. Like now you know what you have it figured out. You know where these elk are. Yeah. There's multiple elk, and I know I can do it. Yeah, yep. you know, once you, you struggle yourself. through something, you know you can do it. You know? you know, you have a blueprint now to repeat that. The next yeah. Year. Yeah. And I don't know. Mind over matter, man. You know, amen to that. <laughs> amen to that. And it's also interesting, too. You said like some whitetail. We we're talking about whitetail, yeah. mule deer stuff. I think a lot of people don't realize there is a lot of crossover in guys who maybe just specialize in hunting whitetails or specialize in elk or mule deer. Like those tactics that you have. Like you can, you can extrapolate those to other species as well. Like if you're really like Neville said, he loves sitting wallows. Probably because he's a whitetail hunter. Yeah. And he's used to sitting there because he knows if he sits there long enough and has the right conditions, like that's going to pay off towards success. Mm. But because of his experience doing something else. So he's taken that kind of tactics and rolling it in an elk hunt and it's worked out well for them. They've killed a lot of bulls off wallows. It's, one of the, it's, oh, like, it's, 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 it's like we're talking, you know, setting realistic expectations and evaluating yourself, right? What am I good at? What are What are my hunting skills that I'm good at? that then will help you put yourself in a better position. Because I feel like a lot of people come out from out east, you know, they see born and raised, they see all these guys, like, they think, like, that's how I should elk hunt. I mean, if you don't, if you can't call, I probably wouldn't recommend calling. No. Yeah. If you can't hike, I wouldn't recommend hiking <laughs> too far. Yeah. Like, if you can find a wallow and you yeah. sit white and you sit in a stand. Just be patient. I will say that out of all the different elk hunting strategies, that might be the most effective way to oh, kill an elk. Oh, it's 100% the most effective. Even though I think it's extremely boring. I have a friend um, in my hometown. He's been doing that for like 30 years or something like this. And he'll go, he sits the entire season. And, he, and in Oregon, his Oregon hunt, he sits, he's been sitting the same wallow for like 15 years. But he's killed so many six points. Mountain lions, mule deer, 
you know. Right. Yeah. But this year, he sat there for 20 days and did not have one bull come in. Mm-hmm. I would have hung myself out of that tree stand yeah. like day oh, one. I had been that so is bored. A rough one. He got out. He, he two days. He didn't go in, and both those days, six points came in. Yep. It was like knowing when not to do that. Like, <laughs> the day you leave is the day they come yeah. in. Yeah, so. but I think Brady and I are wired the same. Where like, I gotta like even mule deer hunting or rifle elk hunting, I have to go to a different glassing point almost every day. Otherwise, it's not that I'm bored, but I do. You lose a little bit of an edge because when you're looking at new country, you look harder. You do. When you're looking at the same country every day, you get really lazy. Because you're like, nah, I've already glassed that seven yep. times. Yeah. The buck that we killed in Colorado this year that happened, it was the most obvious hill directly in front of us. And I had probably looked at it with my 15 powers on, on tripod. I looked at it all morning. I probably looked at it a dozen times. It wasn't like super technical glassing. It was a snowy hillside with like brows all over it. I overlooked that buck all 12 times because about the 13th time I looked at it, he was standing in the middle of it <laughs> eating. And I'm like, has that buck been there? It was when the sun hit it. Right. Has that buck been there all morning? I just, mm-hmm. But I was getting lazy. I'm like, ah, I've looked at that so many times. But yeah. I told you guys earlier, yeah. I was like falling asleep in my binos. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, there's a buck in the middle of the hillside, yeah. you know? He's right there. <laughs> I've overlooked him so many times. But that's why I kind of I like going to the next ridge. It keeps me interested and it yep. keeps me a little sharper. It's the same, same reason kind of why I like hunting new units all the time because I always say you can't kill dead bucks. I know if I can go to the same unit, if I go to that same glassing spot where I know I've seen a deer before, I know I've killed a deer there, Eventually, I'm going to be like, why isn't there a deer here and get bored or get lazy because I know maybe I could just wait till the evening to glass it. But like a new country, every single day, I glass harder, like you said. I work towards something. And like, I know eventually I'm going to find something where if I keep going back to the same spots, I'm like, oh, yeah, they're going to be deer here eventually to sit back and relax. You and almost get like, uh, um, I don't know what the right word is, like uh, uh, complacent. Yep. You get totally complacent. Yeah, I have that. That whole side. You guys said it, yeah. like that 200-inch buck that Brady killed in yeah. Colorado. You'd been looking at that hill every day. Yeah. Yep. And if I go back to that unit, I know, like, well, Neville and I hunted over here. We never saw an animal, so I'm going to avoid it. Right. That could be the worst idea in yes. the world because it's a totally different year. Yeah, it's totally could be totally different things. Yeah. But I don't know. It's, that's what's a hard, like, mental game you play with yourself. When it is, and it's a total mental game. But if you have the patience to – and the discipline that you have, Brady, to do that, that's special, man. But it, it's something that we all should at least try to have because, to your point, Brady, I work a lot in the startup world, the business world. Like a, I'm owner in multiple companies now, and it's no different. Like most days in startup business world suck. You're struggling. You're just right. trying to survive just yeah. like you're in the backcountry. Yeah. You're just surviving. Cash problems, whatever, product issues. You're searching for that one or two days where it's really going right and that really gets on the right path and it sets it over the top to where you can actually create a mature business, right? Um, That's like what we're talking about. But you have to have the discipline to go through all those daily sucky struggles to keep sitting there, keep going to different glasses, trying new things, trying different strategies, putting away your calls, pulling them back out, whatever it might be, for that half a second that puts you over the edge to make it a successful season or a successful business or whatever, right? Those are skills that I really think as hunters, we overlook the fact um, that we have skills that most of modern society has lost. Oh, They used to have them. Yeah. We have skills to endure pain and struggle. And let's be honest, guys, like if you added up the minutes that we hunt, it's a total failure. Yeah. Yeah. Like on paper. Yeah. yeah on paper right? it definitely is. 
99 yeah, yeah. of those minutes are failures yeah, maybe even more than that percentage yeah, right for sure mm-hmm. but we enjoyed all of them yeah and we we actually found ways to um enjoy that struggle and if you take that same mindset over to your life it's pretty amazing like it's almost like a akuna matata lion king like, it's like pff, i can get through anything i pff, yeah. Like if the world fell apart right now, Brady Miller is going to be fine because he can find water. He can find fire. <laughs> he can find shelter. He can find food. Actually, he'd probably like it because then he could just, he wouldn't have to worry about tags anymore. He's going to live in the mountains. Just like, live in the mountains. He's solo. like the Jeremiah Johnson, right? No people. I love that. That's why hunting got so popular during COVID. Yeah. Everyone's like, shit, I need to learn how to survive. <laughs> yeah. And there's yeah. always something new we can all learn. I, I had a uh, Hank Shaw on my podcast mm-hmm. the other day. And I feel like such a blibbering idiot on recipes and just anatomy lessons and different things you can do at different parts of. Yeah, a lot of times I come back, I'm like, I don't know if I do this wild game justice because I do burgers almost everything. Exactly. But grind meat to me, I can do so many different things with it. But I'm like, I could have saved this and made that or do this thing. And I'm like. I see these guys. I'm like, dude, they're if you're like wizards. Me, you're like pepperoni sticks, burgers, yeah. and back straps. Yep. And there you go. You got it all. I highly recommend Hank Shaw's cookbook. I actually got that for last Christmas for my girlfriend, and I've been making all sorts of shit from that thing, and it is awesome. I love it. Yeah, I, just like every week, just try like a new recipe. I was blown away, and my wife is gonna. I told Hank like. My wife will thank you because she gets tired. I make burgers. Right. I make like uh, vegetables and steaks. Like I have like three or four things, and she yep. she's like, I love you, honey. But could you try something different? Yeah. yeah. Could you could you have some different recipes? <laughs> try something. And I'm like, okay. So like after that call, actually one of the coolest things I'm going to do when I get home, I asked because I've always wondered about this. I want to eat elk tartare. Yeah. Or like uh, Axis deer tartare yeah. or ceviche yeah. or something yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, hey, can I do this? He's like, yeah, absolutely. Here's what you do. You freeze it and you cut it up when it's kind of frozen, so it's a little bit more solid. And like, so when I get home, I'm going to make some elk tartare with with uh, corn, oh, like Mexican chips. I and bet stuff. you that's going to be so. Delicious. I think so. Yeah. I, I was always. This is how stupid I am because I, we we all fall in this. Like we we're, we're dudes, right? Yeah. We like pull the quarters out. And yeah. Maybe we bring the heart or something. Yeah. But if you're like lampers, you like suck on the liver and stuff yeah. like that. But <laughs> uh, I. Eat Most of the time, testicles. it's yeah, it's like hamburger, <laughs> pepperoni. But there's so much more we can do. Point being, no matter how long you've been doing this, we if you're not trying to expand your knowledge and be open-minded and go sit and listen to these people, I don't care how good of a hunter you are, where you are in your area, like you're the local hero. A lot of times I see these guys that are like local hero. And I don't need to go to that damn seminar. Those guys don't know shit, you know. Yeah. It's like, well... You might want to because yeah. I, I'm i 41. I've been hunting my entire life out west. And I go to the Western Hunting Summit and I listen to these seminars from these people. And every time I walk out and go, I'm a fucking idiot. Like I, yeah. I have so much to learn still. Yep. And we all do. Yeah, 100%. And always learn more. Oh, my God, dude. There's so much to know. You can't learn all of it. You can't. You learn. have to be a sponge and literally soak up every little bit of information you can when it's presented to you. And you have to be, like you said, you have to be willing to do it. Because mm-hmm. you're willing to do it, you're going to benefit from don't it. Don't you think hunters like there's there's just so many. I don't know if it's insecurity or what. But back to the ego. So dude. many egos it's out the there. Fucking dude. egos. Oh yeah. my god! I posted a video of so my buddy uh, Tim Lesser killed a 392 bull in Utah. 
And I posted a video of my 330 Roosevelt next to his 392. And the video is a little bit deceptive. They look, mine looks like a two, 250-inch bull. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, his looks like a 350. But I'm telling you, they're both officially scored now. It's 392 gross, 332 gross. Anyways, I posted this video. And, uh, I, dude, there's so many guys that commented on it. Like, there's no way. My bull was way bigger than that. And it was only this and that. Anyways, as I was going through this thread of bullshit, I'm thinking to myself, why are hunters so fucking self, or insecure? Yeah. What spurs, and those are the same guys that don't want to learn anything new. They're going to continue to do the same shit and never really actually get better because they think they're already the shit. Yeah. And actually, um, based on what I saw, some of these guys don't actually know much. Yeah. Um, or, but I feel bad for him. Like a couple of my, I'm like, hey, dude, I don't know what's going on in your life, man, but <laughs> you're wrong. Yeah. You know? Sorry that you're so insecure. Um, I, think, I think it happens a lot too with like even weapons. When people shoot their weapon, they're like, yeah, oh, I've been doing it my whole life. I know how to shoot a rifle. I know how to lay down oh, a yeah. But like I did a long range shooting course back mm-hmm. in there with my dad out in Oregon. And uh, I was blown away. Like literally, even how I think I'm straight behind the rifle, they walk by, they just kick me in the ass. Like, nope, you're not sitting square behind the rifle. We're going to keep kicking you until you ingrain in your head. Like, you can teach an old dog new tricks. Like, mm. just putting yourself there, yeah, it costs some money to go do some of these things. But, like, learned so much in three days that then expanded on to everything I've done. Did you rifle. think before you went and did that that you were solid? You don't know oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. yeah. I, I thought I was golden. I'll show up. I'm just going to crunch all these, these guys targets. yeah, yeah. what, yeah, what am i gonna really learn yeah like i've been doing it my whole life like i know how to shoot a rifle but dad's kind of taught me right. to shoot a rifle but like yeah. maybe he taught me some bad habits yeah maybe he does things yeah. i lo- thought was perfect and uh-huh. like just expanding that knowledge mm-hmm. and willing to be there and soak it up and mm-hmm. take notes and just if your goal is to get better then why the hell would you do that like yeah. i i spend time i try to spend time with pe- people from all segments of all skill sets you know, from Joel Turner to... Oh, I love listening to Joel. Like, he is such a wizard. I'm just sitting there going, you guys are idiots. Because <laughs> yeah. my shooting game since I met Joel, like, I can't even describe... He changed my life. Mm-hmm. I had target panic so bad when I met Joel that I almost quit bow hunting. Mm-hmm. I had a really bad hunt in Colorado where I wounded a buck. I ended up killing it, but it was embarrassing. I missed... I think I missed 12 times before I killed a buck. In Colorado on that My God, how'd you have enough arrows? <laughs> I had to borrow arrows. He's that, he's, he's that guy with the big quiver on his shoulder. Say, like 12 arrows, I had to borrow arrows. We were hunting uh, the Trinchera Ranch in southwest Colorado, which is full of, it was a coal hunt. So you, yeah. there's tons of opportunity. And uh, anyways, I, I hit rock bottom. And uh, long story short, I'm like, you know what? I'm being stubborn. I'm not doing myself any good. It's embarrassing. It sucks. And I love hunting too much. John Barklow said to me, he was with me on this trip. He goes, you're way too good of a hunter to be doing this. Like, you need to get this fixed. And I'm like, you're right. I do. So uh, since then, now, you can put as big as animal. You can march. Well, yeah. you march that th- Roosevelt by yeah. me, and I drilled him. Yeah. And, and, it, and I felt good. I remember the entire shot. I executed a good shot. Yep. But that's all because I was like, expand my mind and be like, yes, I've been shooting a bow my whole life, but it's not working very well right now. So I have a choice to make. I can continue to keep doing the same bullshit for the same results, or I can be like, Joel, help me. I've been doing Yes. I know how to shoot a bow, but there's something, there's something not right in here. Um, but I'm with you on rifle. Brady, you need to do that for archery. Brady's he quit archery hunting. Do you have the panic? Because of my target panic And, and because I lost it. I lost like a 207 inch deer I hit, never recovered it in Colorado one year, and it ate me up. Yeah. 
Just you had an it. antelope with us this year. Yep, that was like one of my first like getting back into it okay. type of thing. So I'm, I'm gonna try to do it more. But yeah, like, yeah, you should spend time with Joel. I know. I, like I've listened now because I've given seminars at the Western Hunt mm-hmm. Summit like quite a few years now, and I've heard Joel talk multiple times. And every time I'm literally that person in the back of the room just filling up my paper with mm-hmm. everything he says because mm-hmm. he's such a wealth of knowledge. Well, you can though, take it to rifles too. Yeah, and even though I've heard him say the same thing now, like. Yeah, he modifies the seminar probably a little bit, but I've heard yeah. it multiple times. Yeah. I'm still retaining it differently to the point where yeah. it's now clicking. Mm-hmm. And then recently I saw he came out with that rifle course mm-hmm. and I paid full price for it. I didn't want to like say, Hey, you know, yeah. we're, we're buddies. Like yeah. I get a discount. Like I knew me paying, I think it was like 200 bucks, mm-hmm. me paying that money and me dissecting that course and watching it, not mm-hmm. just once, but I have to watch it multiple times mm-hmm. is going to still make me better. Even though I've learned from him, I've learned mm-hmm. from his long range shooting school, mm-hmm. Again, I just want more knowledge. Yeah, I want to soak up everything I can to make me proficient. Because yes, I could be the best glasser, hiker, like adventure person. But again, I want more of those tools in my toolkit to all be mm-hmm. just prime. And I want my mental state to be prime. Like that's what you know the target panic thing. That's kind of probably why I stopped doing bow hunting too, because I was really broken down. Yeah, it did. And it. now I'm building myself back up because it's I'm awful. starting to learn more, and I'm starting to. I know I need to fix it, but it's also taking the time to realize Are you an anxious it. person in general life? Do you have anxiety? No, I'm really calm. Are you? Yeah, he's very But calm. I'm also very I'm a, I'm <laughs> But I'm calm too, but I have anxiety. But, but I'm, yeah. a perf- like I'm a perfectionist though. Okay. Like when I when I draw my bow back, I want that pin just to sit there. Mm. And if it moves a little bit cuz I want to hit you it. You let perfectly. me know how to do that when you figure it out. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, me too. So like I know I need to work at it and it's understanding that, yeah, I failed at something and I need to build it back up. Yeah. And that's why right now I'm trying to like, you know, soak in all these tools, pay for these different resources to like, just make myself better. Mm-hmm. And again, it's probably gonna make myself better in other areas of life too. Like mm-hmm. be more calm, be more dedicated and just understanding mm-hmm. that there's even ways that I learn every single day. Like even having podcasts like this, mm-hmm. I've learned so much. Yeah, me too. Just that's why ask, I love them. You just got to ask questions. People are scared to ask questions. I feel like they're scared to ad- admit I was at lunch with somebody the other day. And I've become, especially over the last 10 years, I'm really not scared of much of anything, actually. I kind of have this attitude of life. Like, I think it's, when I met, going back a few years, I met Joe Rogan. I got to hang out with him. When I was at Sitka Gear, he wore our stuff. I got to hang out, hang out with him a few times. And then I really started diving into his podcast and really trying to figure out his mindset. Because he seems like the, he just, nothing phases the guy, right? He has the, he speaks to th- I think, what, 3 million people every time he podcasts, right? It's a lot. Think about a stadium of 3 million yeah, people. That's insane. And just openly bullshitting and saying whatever you want. That's scary, right? Mm-hmm. But anyways, my point is, is the thing I learned as to why he is what he is, is because he is curious. He's un, unapologetically curious about everything and his ego is like this big. Mm-hmm. He has an ego. We all do. But he legitimately and authentically is fascinated with life and curious. And when you look at life that way and be like, I don't really know shit. Like we really don't know shit. Right. It's actually exciting. And it kind of kills your ego to where you're actually not scared. Like I'm not scared. Oh, my point. So I had lunch with somebody the other day and they, they go, Hey, can I ask you a personal question? And they're kind of quiet. Like, What is it? What do you got for me? And they're like, so this anxiety stuff you've talked about, what, what do you do about that? I'm like, are you having anxiety? <laughs> yes. And, you know, kind of looking around, I'm like, yeah. look, let me square something up. I don't give a fuck. I will talk about anything. Ask me any questions. I, I, I'm an open book about, she's like, how do you do that? How do you 
how are you so like, it's something I've had to learn because I used to be pretty shy. When you realize that we're all like kind of struggling through and we don't, none of us know shit. And even though the people that pretend to be the best at whatever they do and they know everything, they're full of shit. They don't know anything either. Right. It kind of like yep. eases your mind. I, I will literally talk about anything. I will yeah. talk about anything and I'm comfortable. Um, if you have that mindset, you will become better at whatever you do. I just started doing jujitsu. If you really want to know, have your ego get squished. Oh, I bet. Get like, your ass beat. Get choked out like five <laughs> times in a night. Seriously. Go get beat up. <laughs> like get yelled at by the professor. Let's like, go, Neville. Oh, fuck. Do, doing stuff that you suck at. When I went and did that, I started a few weeks ago. I came home. I'm like, this is the first time in a long time I've done something that I suck at. Humbling. But I'm. that's why I'm doing it. Like, mm-hmm. It's like, holy shit. I am like a baby. Like I don't know. I know a few things really well, but I don't know shit. Right. So and now when I come back to the things I know really well, like hunting, I come with that perspective. It's like, wow, what else could I learn? Like, how else could I improve? What what in my gear, like my backpack? My backpack improved so much this year because of this mindset. It's like, okay, I got a f- couple fucked up things in here. Like, this is not working. Like, my whole fire program I wasn't happy with. My water purification program. Like, there's just a few things. And I came out of the backcountry this year. I'm like, oh, yeah. yeah. Now we're talking. Like, no, there was really a step improvement, right? But I wouldn't have had that. If, no, I, I wear the same damn shit since 1978. And these right. goddamn people are ruining hunting with all this blah, 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 blah. It's a mindset. And then you're a lot happier because you're a better right. hunter. Yep. 100%. You know? 100%. Man. What is our next adventure, dudes? <sighs> going to shoot a big roosevelt with you oh god we gotta find one <laughs> starts now i'm stressed starts out about now. finding one i do I, I legitimately know where there's one big roosevelt and that's all i know about yeah we gotta get something in the books i know we do that that really was fun that because like fun. i've known you for a long time that was the first time we could just like hang out yeah we were separated most of the time but like it was so yeah, fun but to we had fun at night rattlesnakes right. and shit yeah yeah, yeah it's, it's it's pretty crazy how just like going on one hunt like how much you get to know a person, mm-hmm. just, it, like it's you know somebody a lot better just on one. Mostly, what line. you guys learned about me is I snore. Oh my gosh, oh, does he ever? Do you ever? I forgot about that. Yeah, I go special. to bed earlier than you guys. You had the weirdest snore I've ever heard in my life. Sounds like two people snores yeah. on the inhale and the exhale. Really? You oh, were yeah. doing like a double person snore, and then trails over there just grizzly bearing it. <laughs> <laughs> and Devil and I are stuck in, literally in between. Both Dude, I never snore ever. Like really? I'm the, I'm the most quiet sleeper. I didn't like, hear I a thing. Move, I had I my soundproof earbuds in. I couldn't hear myself. Dude, and the <laughs> thing about Trail too is like he falls asleep in like a second. Like he lays down. It's just snoring. You're like, what? It's like we were just talking. <laughs> yeah, we were just <laughs> talking <laughs> 30 seconds ago and he snored. That's funny. Well, I, I think we should do – we should switch it up every year or something. Let's do something different. Yeah. yeah. Some That's of our elements maybe. Yeah. That's kind of fun. That we're all just kind of new and learning something together. I'm all about that. Let's do that. Let's do it. Let's go get some lunch and let's let's game plan. I'm starving. I am too. I'm absolutely starving. That was a blast, buddy. No, yeah. I appreciate you guys. You guys are awesome. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. Yeah. Absolutely. Anytime. We're going to, this is going to go on your show as well, too, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the Altitude Show, this will be on there as well. Yeah. Um, So where can people find more about Big Hunt Guys podcast? We're on YouTube. We got all, Do you, you guys put full it, episodes out yeah, on YouTube? Yeah, so yep. if you want to watch the video version, it's on YouTube, and then it's on all of your places you listen to podcasts. You can listen to it. Okay. 
Yeah. It's same as same with mine. Yeah. 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 Any, anywhere you listen to podcasts. Um, most recently, uh, starting in a couple weeks, also all the content will be on Carbon TV. Oh, nice. Oh, nice. Yeah. Hell yeah. So, um, yeah. Appreciate you guys. Let's get something to eat. Yeah. Let's well, do it. We got a lot of food places in Vegas, so I'm not good at suggestions. So we're gonna lean on Neville because no, I got the no, same no. place. I lean on Cody Boar. Oh yeah, it's got Cody Boar. Good guy. Good guy. Yeah. Let's do it.